0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chillin' with the Villain, the classic wrestling review podcast, where we sit down, chill out, and watch some classic wrestling. But this week, not only are we doing that, but we also, for a second week in a row, have a very special guest. Yes, joining us on the show today, Chris Adonis, formerly known as As the masterpiece, Chris Masters will be joining us to discuss today's topic, which is Taboo Tuesday 2005. Hmm. Remember that one? The interactive pay-per-view where the fans get to vote on the stipulations. Oh, what could go wrong? Well, I guess we'll find out on today's show but before i get any further please allow me to introduce myself i am as always the villain marty skull and joining me today again as always he is the producer of the show the king of the tables mr sam scott
1: oh thank you for that
0: are you king of the tables are you king of the table match or are you the king of being tabled
1: yeah, I knew that third one was coming. <laughs> oh, dear me. I'll take it, you know. Actually, that will be e- that be eating off of Spike Dudley's plate, though, right? I can't do that. <laughs> I can't you, do that today. you
0: do have a similar physique to Spike
1: Dudley, so. I do, I do. I do. <laughs> but I'm uh, not as daring or interesting. Well,
0: no. And I think we do need to make some King of the Tables
1: Sam t-shirts, I think, for mer- merchandise. What do you think? I think we should just make fake pay-per-view T-shirts, <laughs> and one of them can be tables. So, table fantasy league with fantasy pay-per-views.
0: We could do that. We could make a. Maybe we could use all my wrestling figures. Make like a, a a fantasy wrestling figure federation. I think Zach Ryder, Zach Ryder, Matt Cardona, he might have done that already. Actually,
1: oh, he'd be so. all in on that if he has
0: already. <laughs> shall I? Shall I call him up? And say, hey, do you want to come around and play with my wrestling figures?
1: Oh, he'll be there like a run up a drink.
0: He He would be. He would be. So Sam, how are you doing this week? Are you well? Yeah,
1: not too bad. Not too bad. I'm sure you're doing well as well. What's going
0: on? I'm doing okay. Thank you. It's been quite a big week again in the world Mm -hmm. of professional wrestling. The great one, the most electrifying man in all of sports and entertainment, or just sports entertainment, the owner of the XFL the so number one box office actor in Hollywood. I don't know if he still is. I know there's a writer strike going on right now. Um, of course, I'm talking about The Rock. You know what? Actually, I did an autograph signing a few weeks ago and I was doing it with Harvey Whippleman, also okay. known as Downtown Bruno. And he is like The Rock's like side guy. Like he works with The Rock and he he helps out on the set of all of Rock's TV shows and movies oh, and everything yeah? else. And I guess he was doing the autograph signing because before he was working on young rock, but then the writer strike happened. So he, uh, he of course he was, you know, out of work and he seemed pretty bummed. But of course I had to ask him about the rock. Cause I thought, damn, that must be so cool to be friends with the rock. Yeah. I think if I could pick any friend in the world, it would probably be D- Dwayne Johnson. And I think that'd be the majority of Male answers, at least.
1: Oh, I think you two would make great friends. You
0: Thank know you. what? I So The Rock, I feel, is one of the main wrestlers that I've never met before. I've met Hogan. I've met Steve Austin. I've met Bret Hart. I've met Ric Flair. All of these different personalities I've had the opportunity at one point or another to meet. And it's funny. I remember as a kid, like, playing a game, maybe i was flipping a coin or something and i I don't even know why i was doing this but i was like if it lands on this that means i'll never get the chance to meet the rock and i flipped it or whatever it was and it landed on it and it was like you'll never get chance to meet the rock and i said okay that's okay i'll meet steve austin Mm -hmm. and this was when i was like a 10 year old kid and so far that has come true (laughs) (laughs)
1: but this um, is definitely okay. a pre internet age that you're playing this, right? Where your version of a game is just playing with a coin. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was a, a poor kid growing up, so what can I yeah. say? Um your mum wanted that coin back after the <laughs> she did. But I tell you, someone who is not poor or actually The Rock likes to suggest that he was really poor. Obviously, he started that company. What is it, seven dollar productions or something? Something like that, yeah. Basically, the idea is, he's like, Well, you know, I, I had $7 in my pocket and I've just been putting over the rock, but this might kind of sound like I'm slagging him off. I always think it's funny when you hear the rocks, he tries to tell that rags to riches story. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, when I started wrestling, I had to wrestle in, in flea markets and put the ring up and oh, I'm thinking, yeah, dude, like you did that. And then six months later, you were intercontinental champion for the WWE. <laughs> You're, you know, you came from that wrestling family of everything else. I don't know if he had it too hard, but that being right. said, the rock just came back. I don't know if you can call it coming back or made an appearance on SmackDown. Uh, as you listen to this, that would have been maybe a, a week or two ago now, yeah. but um, he came back, did this big segment with Austin theory and Pat McAfee. And dude, just honestly, it's not very often that I get goosebumps anymore from watching wrestling, but seeing the rock brings me back to my childhood. When I was a kid during that era, the rock was by far my favorite. The rock was the first heel that I liked. I remember watching mm. him feud with Mick Foley, mankind when mankind was a babyface, And I was like, I like the rock. He's my favorite. And me and my friends used to argue who was better, the rock or Steve Austin. And this was when, the Rock was still a heel while I was the corporate champion, but I've always been a massive Rock fan. So it was really cool to see him on TV again. Kind of made me feel like a fan again and not the disgruntled one that you hear on this podcast every week. Um, I'm sure you certainly heard about this. Did you get a chance to watch it, Sam?
1: You're, you're having so much fun, and I'm sure you still are now. I'm going to be the disgruntled one. mm they, 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 will all of the legends out for that sucker, and I just don't get it. I don't find it special at all.
0: Were you referring to
1: Austin Theory?
0: Oh, so you're not an Austin Theory fan? No,
1: why would I? Do this?
0: <laughs> you like him? I think, uh, I think they are WWE. They um, are, yeah. Dude, he's like 25. I want to say he's super young. He's got, he's got a lot of potential. I haven't seen enough of his work to really give an opinion, but he dude he's it's a massive upside he's in great shape he's athletic he you know looks the part i don't know i think it's it's not fair really to i, I was going to say it's not fair to have an opinion on him, yet, on him yet but obviously you can do that i just don't think it's fair to judge him yet you know he's not in his he hasn't peaked yet he hasn't hit where he needs to be yet so i think he'll get there the WWE obviously has faith in him and if they're supporting him and behind him chances are he's probably going to be world champion in a few years time
1: I don't know. I feel like he hasn't earned it compared to other people who are around.
0: Well, I saw, kind of a, me, no? I saw a post on social media where he's, he's already worked with Steve Austin, right? uh Brock Lesnar, yeah. Uh, uh, the Rock, John Cena. It was like, whoa, Rey Mysterio, all these guys. It's like, damn, that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. And I also thought like, does he even remember like Steve Austin and The Rock? Like when he came up watching wrestling, they wouldn't have even been around, you know? Yeah.
1: Also, <laughs> I watched Fast Ten the other oh, week. Oh, okay. As it stream as it was released on our favorite streaming platform, Peacock. Oh dear. And, yeah. And The Rock comes spoiler alert, The Rock comes back at the end in like the post credit segment. So after watching that, then seeing that, I just thought, okay, so the rock's bored
0: well it's, it's probably due to this right. Right, writer's strike huh yeah
1: he's got nothing yeah that's that's how I read it when he comes back to the WWE and he's comes back to the first franchise I was like okay he's so he's got nothing to do is he
0: bored enough to wrestle Roman Reigns at next year's Wrestlemania
1: i oh, see that and then I'd be excited I'll mm-hmm. wait for that that's what it felt like he's dipping his toes in wondering if he actually wants to come back right it was like more of a hint that he's back than he was back
0: yeah yeah that- I think it seems like he's going to come and do WrestleMania. And if he did, you'd assume he'd wrestle with Roman Reigns. And should that happen, would that mean that for another year, Cody doesn't get to win the world title at WrestleMania? Is that what it means?
1: I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I,
0: I watched that segment and just when The Rock said, what was it he said to him? He's like, shut your bitch ass mouth. I, oh, I just thought it was so funny. He's just, I don't I hate to be that guy that's like oh back in my day it was so much better but it does feel like that right it like no one's as good as the rock it, it,
1: it that's true and it does but I will say the best part of that in the background is big Pat's facial expressions the whole time he really knows how to like ham it up I enjoy it I don't know about you
0: yeah, I've I've watched a few wrestling matches that Pat McAfee had, and he's very good, and he's very charismatic. I'm not sure if I enjoyed him. He did the same thing with Steve Austin, I think, like kind of right. marking out in the ring. I get what he's doing. I don't know. I mean, again, I can't really judge, because if I was in that predicament, maybe I'd be doing the same thing. So.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's the point, right? And it's yes. kind of honest and funny.
0: Yeah. So it no.
1: ticks all of the fair boxes, in my opinion. Yeah. It,
0: it does. And apparently this, the Rock's return. returned the, they put up a graphic WWE of the social media interactions or the views, sorry, the viewership on it. Um, oh, okay. Like on the YouTube video. And I think when I saw the YouTube video, it was already like over a hundred million or something ridiculous like that. Oh, so Maybe it wasn't that much, but it, or they, they put out saying, maybe it was across all platforms. It was like over a hundred million. So, the rock Not is bad. certainly still a draw Good for
1: business. Yeah, for sure.
0: Another thing I watched this week was the wrestlers on Netflix. So for those of you that don't know about this, it's uh, Netflix. They made a seven episode documentary series on Ohio Valley wrestling, OVW, which back in the day used to be the developmental system for the WWE. So, it was where talents like John Cena, Randy Orton, Brock Lesnar, Batista all came from OVW, yeah. and so a lot of the wrestlers on we'll see on today's show, Taboo Tuesday, two thousand five, would be from OVW. But of course, that was nearly twenty years ago now, and so OVW is in a much different state. So the the, the, the premise of the show is basically struggling wrestling organization and i thought the series was pretty enjoyable it was shot really really well um the production values were high at first the first episode i thought hmm it it took this is quite normal for netflix i suppose but it took quite a few episodes maybe three or so episodes for me to kind of be invested in it yeah um the first episode i was like whoa this seems like 101 like the outsiders wrestling documentary you know it's got like Oh, the wrestler goes get us a, a spray tan ha 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 like how crazy is that and like oh they're struggling and you know they show a crowd and there's 50 people in the crowd or whatever yeah. and yeah for me i kind of felt like the story to me wasn't necessarily new because it's like struggling wrestling organization i'm thinking I've worked for hundreds of them, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But I guess to other people, it would be interesting and engaging. So I thought as a whole, it was well, well done. Al Snow comes across pretty well. And I think if anything, it's definitely going to give a boost to OVW. Cause I, I did watch it at the end thinking, oh, you know, maybe I'll mm-hmm. follow OVW on Instagram and sort of, you know, keep my eye on them and everything else. So,
1: so it's still I, around.
0: Oh yeah, it's still around now. Yeah, so what the documentary's oh, about? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I-, I thought though, I always thought that was like NXT before NXT existed. Am I
0: off? It was, it was. So OVW, it was its own company, and then WWE used them as a developmental system. But then after a while, WWE realized we could just do this we'll ourselves. Just do our own, yeah. I right. gotcha. All so right, wow, um, but
1: they but they carried on.
0: Yes, they carried on independently.
1: Wowzers! All right, but that's
0: obviously why they. They obviously did much better back in the day, whereas like you can come to OVW and become a WWE superstar. After they lost that relationship, obviously it wasn't as, I guess, Look, appealing yeah, yeah. to students to go there. And I, I actually did wrestle, I want to say one match for OVW when I did the TNA British Boot Camp uh, in mm. 2012. Uh, myself and Spud actually did have a tag team match at the Davis Arena for OVW. And I don't think I've ever seen the footage of that match, but I do remember. How can I say this? (sighs) Without sounding like an a-hole. I do remember at the time just thinking, oh yeah, me and Spud are way more polished than the rest of the wrestlers here now. But I guess guess that makes sense because we were kind of pros being brought into TNA or used by TNA they're I guess still technically a training school. So I guess that makes sense. But, um, no, I assume you didn't. You you haven't watched it. Have you seen the trailer or anything, Sam?
1: No, I haven't. I don't. Ha- You're the only person I know who hasn't cancelled Netflix. But...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I probably have like three Netflix accounts I don't even oh, know God. about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I think I would recommend. I would definitely recommend you checking it out if you get the opportunity to. Or I know you can use my Netflix account. Can I say that on air? You can cut that out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they tried to get rid of password sharing, didn't they? Maybe. Which is maybe. which is why everybody cancelled it. Oh, you. okay. You well, decided to buy two more.
0: <laughs> well, I'll give credit where it's due. Netflix is still, still miles better than the cock.
1: Oh, but that's not saying much. Is it? <laughs> it's not. Although, actually, I think Peacock did that Twisted Metal show with Samoa Joe, which is pretty good.
0: Oh, I haven't seen that yet, but Samojo mm, okay, looks cool. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do have some feedback, Sam, from last week's show. If
1: Is you'd that like bad? To hear was it? That.
0: No, 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 no. All, all pretty positive.
1: One, so, wonderful. Wonderful.
0: Uh, y two Garcia. Um, yep. she's a great listener of the show. She's mm-hmm. kind of frequent on our Instagram account. So, yep. shout out, shout out to what Y two Garcia. I hope I'm saying that right. She said she loved it, referring to the episode. He said that I me marty and the first wrestler that she knows of to call out wrestlers climbing ladders slow so <laughs> she she enjoyed that part and maybe i am i don't i think everyone subconsciously knows that wrestlers climb the ladder very slowly but maybe i'm the first Never person questioned
1: it right yeah I to think point it was, out
0: to point it out yeah. um the berg 511 said he loved it he said he, he this is interesting because we might get in a conflict here, Sam. Oh, he said, no. glad someone called it out for what it was. Without that great main event, it was just a, a normal pay-per-view.
1: I like the opener, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I like the, like the uh, opener. No.
1: Okay. So, you just, mm, I don't know. I think everyone's a little harsh on it.
0: Well, the crowd made
1: the show. The crowd made the show. We, we can yeah. agree on
0: that. We can agree on I that. I
1: feel like Berg511 probably doesn't agree with my four four stars right four and a half or whatever it was i'm <laughs> sure they, they're more in line with me. but no i stick i still stick by that i had a good old time you know for more than 90 percent of it i was engaged so that's there you go for at least four stars so awesome
0: we got a lovely email from one kent mcpherson he said he actually cleared something up for us which is very very nice this is the sort of feedback that we love to have on the show because despite Well, I might say, I don't know everything. So here, my friend Kent is helping me out. Kent says, I listen to the podcast every week. Thank you. Uh, It brings back childhood memories. Fuck, it doesn't say that at all. It brings me back to my childhood. uh, And lets me relive the moments I sometimes forget about. Uh, I will add, I think the reason John Cena punched punk when he referred to him as the New York Yankees was because John is from Boston and New York and Boston are bitter rivals in life and all of sports. Hockey, baseball, basketball, you name it. Boston and New York are usually some of the most intense sporting events. Thank you for starting your podcast from a fan who gets to relive the best moments through one of his favorite wrestlers. So I thought that was a really, really lovely email from Kent McPherson. Thanks, Kent. And uh, I guess that makes sense. I, I don't know why I didn't, Think of that before. I guess I kind of forget that Cena is from Boston. Just kind of always assume Cena is from another planet. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, Boston New York feud. I can totally understand. So yeah, we completely appreciate that, Kent. Thank you so much for listening to the show and showing your support. We really do appreciate it. Finders Keepers Records. He's also frequent on the Instagram. Yes, he said it was a great section of the pay per view. Uh, he wanted more PJ black, though. So, I think you can never
1: we, get enough. So, I understand you never
0: get enough PJ. I think that we may have to make our interviews longer, Sam.
1: I think we may have to. Words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it is good. The good thing about someone like PJ is, yeah, it, it that never feels like enough, does it? It doesn't, to, you just want to keep them chatting all day. I do I could
0: I could talk to PJ all day and of course if you haven't listened yet to our money in the bank 2011 episode uh please go Definitely back I feel like it was it probably out. our best episode yet I feel like Sam and myself are I agree yeah finding our Groove as mm-hmm. podcasters and I felt like it was a really well put together show and obviously having PJ on it um obviously he was very generous with his time uh just kind of was icing the icing,
1: on the cake
0: icing on the cake and I feel like I it was a a strong one. So even if you don't have an interest in that pay-per-view itself, I feel like you'll enjoy me and Sam and PJ talking about all things wrestling. So please. And if you don't have any enjoyment
1: in that pay-per-view, then you're crazy because it's at least four stars. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't have any enjoyment in that pay-per-view, then you're the Berg 511 or Or Marty Skull. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Also, Sam, I don't know if you know this, but we're also... Huge Instagram stars now. Did you know yep. that? For people that don't know, it's actually I, Marty, that create the reels for the Instagram account. And the last time I looked, the reel that a lot of people seem to enjoy was us talking about Del Rios, um, <laughs> the mm. Scott Steiner lookalike from our first ever NWA TNA show. I made a reel of that. And right now, as of recording, it's on three hundred and fifteen thousand views, so that's done very, very well. I think even Ryback had a comment on there as well. He in, found in it.
1: with the in with the good pun, <laughs>
0: right? He big he, Papa chump, big Papa chump, and uh, also remember when I told you that story about Steve Blackman wrestling in the eighties, and then he uh, suffered from from malaria, and then he came back in the late nineties. Um, and you said you'd never heard about that before. Hmm. Well, apparently loads of other people hadn't either because that uh, Steve Blackman reel that I made is currently on 230,000 views. So getting close to a quarter of a million views. Um, and when you're listening to this, there'll probably be even, even bigger, even bigger amount of views. So, or more views, should I say? So um, yeah, we're getting the word out there. We're getting the word out there about the podcast. If you're listening to us, please, Tell a friend, please share these reels. You'd be doing us mm-hmm. a massive favor, but yeah, we're really, you know, right now we've got a big audience. The Instagram account tells me that we have something like we've reached 450,000 accounts in the last 30 days. So also if you want to advertise of us, if you want to sponsor the show, you want to advertise of us, get in touch. We haven't done that yet on the show, but we're certainly open to it. And it seems like we have a large audience. So Jump on board now during the early days. It's only episode twelve, but you know, come along for the ride. That would be nice,
1: Marty. Yes, we're doing we're doing a service with these interesting little facts, right? No <laughs> wonder that Steve Blackman one did well. If you when you just scroll through and you just see his beefy little face, you're like how can you not click it? <laughs> it's funny
0: because I I I put on there. Oh, I think he looks better in the late nineties and in the late eighties and quite a few people disagreed with me. And I just thought, yes, he was bigger in the late eighties, but I don't necessarily think bigger is better. And to me, his physique in the attitude era, the late nineties was like, it was pretty damn flawless. I thought his physique was insane.
1: Yeah. And he was bigger then, but he didn't necessarily stand out. Like the look isn't as unique as his, look in the 90s which is yeah which we talk about every whether he's on a (laughs) paper we end up talking about him he's not on this one either
0: i feel as if if steve blackman was around now like if he took him from 1998 and put him in today's wrestling everyone would just be like he'd be pushed like a monster i feel like look at this huge guy you know so i mean he was just around in a time where everyone was huge and it was kane and undertaker and even mick foley's massive so I guess he didn't stand out so much at the time, but all these years later, we're giving Steve Blackman his flowers for his insane physique. So
1: which he fully deserves.
0: You know what? One day that's, I'm going to say it out loud. Now our aim is to get Steve Blackman on the show. Oh yeah. and Ken, And, and Shamrock could be cool as well. If anyone knows Steve Blackman, I'm assuming that he's not active on social media, but if anyone listening knows him, if you could try and put us in touch with him, we would really appreciate that because I don't think you've got two bigger fans of Steve Blackburn than myself and Sam right here. That is one thing that we can agree on. For sure, man.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> for sure. He might start in preparation. He'd be like, oh, I'm open to that in preparation. Just see how every episode we can't stop talking about his body. And <laughs> be like, oh, actually, i don't kind of worried. This is creepy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Sam, before we get into the review of the show today, The show's name is taboo Tuesday and a great one. Well, when I told you the name was taboo Tuesday, you said, Marty, that is such a bad pay-per-view name. Mm -hmm. And I never really thought about it like that before. And then the more I did, I thought, Hmm, I think he's right. That is a pretty bad pay-per-view name. And then that made me think even more. Oh, this is a good opportunity for a top five list. So myself and Sam separately, have come up with our top five worst wrestling pay-per-view names. So, I guess I shall start. And this time, I'm going to go from five to one. I think the other time I...
1: You actually put them in order for once. Lovely.
0: I've worked hard on this list, so don't judge. So, coming in at number five of worst pay-per-view names, I have Beware of Dog. Now, this was actually In Your House 8, and the the subtitle was beware of dog, but still, and I guess the idea was that bulldog was in the main event against Brett. I want to say don't give me shit if I'm wrong. Um, But yeah, beware of dog. That's a pretty, not even beware of the
1: dog. I was going to say, there's no, the just dog, just beware of dog.
0: Beware of dog. (laughs) Do you remember that time that woman shouted at you dog?
1: Yeah. Dog. And she (laughs) she looked just like new Jack. If you remember, (laughs)
0: Okay, oh, so, so beware of dog number five coming in at number four hog wild that's pretty bad right
1: yeah I, it's undoubtedly bad but it's also <laughs> undoubtedly funny
0: it's very funny but a wrestling show you think wrestlemania or right ugh, i don't know but hog wild ah it's not cutting it number three i feel bad about saying this one because it's from an era that i love but still i've got a I've got mm-hmm. to call it for what it is. number three this Tuesday in Texas. That's a bad pay-per-view name, right? That doesn't get you amped oh up God. at all. No, it's, like this no. Tuesday. That's like, Sam, when are we doing the podcast next?
1: This Tuesday in Texas. Like that's. <laughs> that is so <laughs> routine and boring. And to me, they're like the worst type of pay-per-view name where they're not so bad, like Hogwild, that it's funny. Yes. And they're just insipid. Yeah. And that's actually what made me think of Taboo Tuesday. Like, it doesn't get you, like you said, it doesn't get you amped up.
0: I, I decided not to put Taboo Tuesday on the list just because we're doing that okay. show today. But ta- what's so taboo about, like, it's an interactive what, yeah. pay-per-view. It's not even taboo. It doesn't make any sense. So anyway, coming in at number two, it's quite a recent one. I don't even know if you'll have any knowledge of this. But number two is WrestleMania Backlash. You have any so idea what I'm talking about? Is it?
1: Is it WrestleMania or is it Backlash?
0: WrestleMania Backlash. So basically a couple, it might've even been a couple of years ago. So always, or for years and years, Backlash has been the pay-per-view that's followed WrestleMania, normally a month after WrestleMania. And it's called Backlash and it's like a perfect name, just Backlash. And for whatever reason, for one, I don't know if they did it twice. I'd have to, I should have done some more research. I'm sorry. But they decided to call the show WrestleMania Backlash. But it was still backlash, but it was WrestleMania Backlash.
1: Yeah, that's confusing and also just wholly unnecessary.
0: Well, the name WrestleMania has so much stock. Like that's almost yeah. Yeah. the brand of the WrestleMania is almost as big as WWE.
2: Mm-hmm. If you think yeah.
0: about it, right? It really is. It's like probably the, their biggest, it's obviously their biggest show, but that brand is is huge and they'll sell out stadiums just based on it being WrestleMania. Like when was the last time a match sold out WrestleMania? It's been years. It's, it's the pay-per-view itself. That is right. the, is the cell. Yeah. Um, it's the draw. So I guess they're trying to capitalize off that by calling it WrestleMania backlash that, can you imagine trying to find this show on Peacock?
1: It's hard <laughs> enough as it is.
0: Right? right, right, right. Uh, so coming in at number one, which actually now I've said it, I actually think WrestleMania backlash is worse, but whatever. I wrote the list down. I'm going to stick to it. You can probably already guess. Number one, worst pay-per-view name of all time. Great balls of fire. Okay. Now I understand that it's funny, mm-hmm. um, but I f- honestly think the reason why they called a pay-per-view this is because I think this happened. It certainly happened within the last five years, but WWE is they're very on it with interactions on social media they quite often kind of almost boast about we've had this many interactions. I was just talking about the rock, how many views they had on his return. I only see that they called the pay-per-view great balls of fire, knowing that people would be like, what on earth is this? And it would just get so much talk about essentially a B pay-per-view and all the people talking about it would be free advertising for the WWE. So actually now I'm saying that good on them. This is a great pay-per-view name. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah there we go there's my top five uh worst pay-per-view names of all time sam we okay. had hand it over to you
1: all right well first of all i didn't know that there was one called hog wild and it's just atrocious but i can't even knowing that that still won't make my top five because it makes me feel something well like, it makes I sh- me laugh, you laugh did know? i
0: say that was from wcw
1: by the way i honestly i kind of <laughs> <didn't>. <laughs> like i knew i knew it wasn't wwe that like, I, I had yeah So a lot of yours, like, I know you've kind of feel bad for doing Great Balls of Fire. Now you've explained it out loud, but at least some of those made you feel something apart from uh, Tuesday in Texas, which is just like a wet paper bag. Mine have that kind of theme. And that's to me, it's just the worst thing where they make you just feel nothing. Taboo Tuesday is my honorable mention. It didn't make the top five. And what's kind of interesting, I've just, I'm just looking at it now is there's like a pattern here. So my number six, if you want to call it that, is Taboo Tuesday. My number five is Cyber Sunday. And because it reminds me of Cyber Monday or whatever it is, when Amazon, you know, when you just do your online shopping, it just doesn't <laughs> yeah. make you feel like anything. It's just so nothing, right? It's absolutely nothing. <laughs> and it's just funny how Taboo Tuesday was a bad name and they replaced the pay-per-view effectively, right? Yes. The next year with something that is even worse. (laughs) So I had to give Cyber Sunday over Taboo Tuesday. It's only fair. And then the next logical pattern, can you think about this? Can you guess? I don't know. My number four is bragging rights. Oh, I nearly put that on my list as well. Yeah. It just bothers me. Because what kind of stakes is, you know, just, oh, I want to win for bragging rights. You know, again, it's just not exciting. It's just so low stakes and rinky dink. And the reason why I said there's a logical progression here or a patent at least is because I'm actually, I could be wrong on this. Maybe you'll know. But didn't bragging rights like kind of take over Cyber Sunday?
0: Uh, I don't know that. It's possible.
1: Oh, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. But if it does, then it's like Taboo Tuesday is bad. (laughs) They replaced it with Cyber Sunday, which is my number five, and then they've replaced it with bragging rights, which is my number four. What well, I'm wrong.
0: We discussed this the other week on the show about how for the longest time they called the women's wrestlers divas. we like, mm. like diva is not like an endearing term. And also bragging rights, like having like it's it's not a good thing to brag, is it? It's something you kind of look at as like, you know, that's not cool if you're bragging about bragging. something do you know what i mean it's like and that's yeah. all that's all you can win just the bragging for, rights
1: yeah for me bragging yes no you're right but also on top of that bragging rights is just like a very schoolyard kind of thing to win for you know it's is. It is. it's just like who cares you know right right um my number three is i'm looking at it it's kind of annoying me more looking at it i wish maybe i've had it higher but it's over the limits because if I ask chat GPT that just has no soul or anything, I might come up with the name of a pay-per-view. They're going to call it something so generic is over the limits. Right. Can like, I don't it's even remember. So boring.
0: Over the limit. I think it's, yeah, I think it's got Miz on the front. Was that WWE? Oh, you're right. Yeah. 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 Over, yeah, yeah. Is it? No, it's, it's, just, it's over the limit, not over the limits.
1: Oh, okay. Over the limit. That's even worse. My typo <laughs> is a better name. Let me rechange that. There you go. Over the limit is even worse. So yeah, over the limit, just, just Like it's just so generic of a term, it is it bothered me. Number two is it slightly, it's actually so generic that it doesn't make sense, which also makes it kind of funny, which kind of makes me want to put it higher up. But it's at number two already. Is the bash? That's oh, the worst. You well, reckon
0: you, but that came WCW's big pay-per-view. One of their big pay-per-views was the great American bash, yes. And I want to say that's what Dusty Rhodes came up with, and then. Yeah. When WWE bought all the IPs and stuff from WCW, they ran quite a few Great American Bashes. And then for whatever reason, I have no idea why. One year or maybe they did it a few times, they just shortened it to the bash. That's actually probably the worst one. That's terrible.
1: The like Great American Bash has an element of like pomp and like ceremony to it. And it just like it doesn't make you feel something. And just kind of just like so like, how can we surgically remove all the fun out of this thing? <laughs> you know, I just, want the of it. just the bash just annoying right Terrible. my number one is maybe I'm thinking too much into this but is one night stand the second the fact that there's a second one night stand right the first one is an awesome pay-per-view name do you agree right one night stand for the first ECW pay-per-view it's like it's supposed to be a one-off it's just the, the perfect name slightly edgy it's ECW we're getting it everything about that is perfect
0: sam you're trying to tell me that you have, you haven't had more than one one night stand
1: no i have but they weren't <laughs> the <blue beanie. laughs>
0: one night stand i wasn't hmm interesting so no but you're not hmm you're not saying it's a bad name you're just saying it bothers you because they did it twice well, three yeah, or three times. one so.
2: night
1: stand heavily implies and only works if it's just a complete one-off okay right yes
0: yeah I kind of see. I feel like One Night Stand as standalone on its own is not a bad name, though.
1: No, again, for the. Yeah, it's not. It's actually good. (laughs) But it's the way they've used it, like the way they utilized it, is (laughs) uh, is just that irked bothering. you and it hurt me and I don't actually mind that you disagree with my number one because obviously I disagree with yours I think Great Balls of Fire is just <laughs> hilarious and I think it's actually more funny because I can picture the front cover I just think it's got Paul Heyman's big face just smirking on it <laughs> hasn't it I think I'm right <laughs> you, you know what's funnier?
0: you know what as you hate Great Balls of Fire so much I don't well no sorry as you like Great Balls of Fire so much the more I thought about it I want to change my number one My new number one is Seasons Beatings. You don't do that to me. (laughs) I don't know if anyone knows this, but one time Sam said to me, Marnie, completely out of the blue. I didn't ask him. He said, Marnie, I've got a (laughs) great name for a pay-per-view. I was like, okay. He's like, Seasons Beatings. You do it like in the wintertime. I was like, dude, I have been on more shows called Seasons Beatings than any other name for a show. So many. (laughs)
1: Do you know what's really funny? It was. I actually remember sending you that on WhatsApp, it was. And I wasn't with my phone when I thought it up. I was outside walking my dog. And I remember, like, I just couldn't wait to get in. <laughs> back to my phone.
0: <laughs> well, with that being said, we are here not to talk about bad pay-per-view names, rather a bad pay-per-view or... Is it a good pay-per-view? Well, that's what we're going to find out. Of course, I'm talking about Taboo Tuesday 2005, the interactive pay-per-view. So unlike Mm -hmm. other WWE pay-per-views where the stipulations are determined by the WWE's creative staff, this was, well, it's actually the second time they did it where the stipulations uh, for the matches were determined by votes from the WWE fans conducted on WWE's website so a very unique concept for a pay-per-view I think I think this is obviously this was 2005 started in 2004 so it's when the internet is really starting to become kind of a big thing where you know which pretty much everyone had so as a concept for a pay-per-view I think it's very intriguing and I remember at the time at least the first one thinking oh we better watch this this is kind of kind of exciting. Uh, I assume this is the first time you've watched this show, Sam.
1: It is. And I haven't seen the one before it, but I am aware of the concept. I must have just read about it a while ago or something. But yeah, this is the first one of either of them I've seen. Um, Honestly, like, it's a good idea. And it, I'm actually kind of shocked that they haven't kind of, because they love their kind of uh, interaction and the WWE universe and everything more now. Yes, And like, you know, all the handles are in.
0: Well, maybe there's a reason why they haven't. And I guess we're going to discover that today during this review. Um, So the date is November 1st, 2005. This was a Raw brand pay-per-view. So after the brand split, they would, the B pay-per-views at least, would either be a SmackDown pay-per-view or a Raw pay-per-view. This one is a Raw pay-per-view. It's set in San Diego at the I Pay One Center with an attendance of six thousand, and i thought that was pretty low and when i was doing my research i realized the the taboo tuesday 2004 actually only did 3500 attendance which sounds oh my god that's got to be like one of the lowest ever for a wwe mm. pay-per-view so this is probably why they didn't do this pay-per-view more often um do you want to guess the buy rate sam
1: well, now, Yeah, I do. And I was just thinking now I'm kind of thrown completely. Now you've given that to me. I have no clue. Well, you've got to um, give me a number. Yeah, I know. I mean, I remember the amount of votes. I, I mean, it's not spoiling anything. They said it was like over 6 million. So that's like, sounds quite high, but I know they're just online doing it. Yeah, the one before, the turnout on the door was only 3,500. So now I'm just like, I'm gonna say a hundred and fifty, but I'm actually want to go lower. No, I'm gonna say a hundred and fifty.
0: Uh, you're not far off. One hundred and seventy-four thousand. Okay. So mm. yeah, I feel like I, I feel like that's a reasonable number for this time period. It's respectable. Yeah. I mean, also one thing you got to bear in mind: what's the name of the show?
1: Don't, I don't want to say it anymore, please. Taboo Tuesday, sir. Right.
0: So it's a sh- it's a pay per view on, on a, a Tuesday, Tuesday, which they hadn't done. And uh, since this Tuesday in Texas back in 1991. There we of, go. Of course, traditionally WWE pay per views is always on a Sunday. I guess a few times in WWE's history, they've tried to experiment with trying to do a Tuesday pay-per-view. And, and like you said earlier, I think the next year they, they moved it to cyber Sunday. So they clearly yeah. worked out that people don't really want to come out for a Tuesday pay-per-view nor order a Tuesday pay-per-view. So again, It's cool for them to try. I'm all for during the week pay-per-views, to honestly. I, I like that idea. That's cool. Yes. So we might as well get into the show. So the first match is going to be Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. Team Raw is our boy Chris Masters and Edge, or at least it's scheduled to be Edge, taking on the Team SmackDown which is voted for by the audience. They get a choice of five different wrestlers and the winners end up being Matt Hardy with 31% and Ray Mysterio with 29%. Uh, The guys that didn't make it JBL got 17%. Christian got 13% and hardcore Holly got 10%. So (laughs) poor old hardcore Holly. But anyway, the match ends up changing anyway, because Masters and Edge come out and Lita cuts a promo saying that Edge isn't going to wrestle tonight and they've got a replacement and the replacement for Edge is Gene Snitsky. Hmm. But there's no point in Sam and I giving our opinions on this match when we have our interview with the masterpiece, Chris Masters, who was actually in this match. So Sam, let's take it over to Chris Adonis, a.k.a. the Masterpiece Chris Masters. So here we are. We are very excited today to be joined by one of my favorite human beings in all of professional wrestling. Anytime I see him, I'm like, yes, it's going to be a good day. (laughs) He is one of Sam's favorite wrestlers from this era. Of course, I'm talking about Chris Adonis, formerly known as the masterpiece. Chris Masters here today to talk about Taboo Tuesday 2005. First of all, Chris, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us.
2: Oh man, that, after that intro, are you kidding me? I feel like a million <laughs> bucks right now. And I, I love the way you say Taboo. Taboo. That must be a loud, taboo, taboo Tuesday. Taboo.
0: You know, last week we had PJ Black on the show. And as I introduced him, he also gave it the double biceps.
2: Uh, he, he, he thinks he's a body guy now, obviously. <laughs> he probably microdosed before the show. Um, hey, uh you know what I thought about, though, as you were giving me the intro? I had a flashback to Mexico of us where you, Carly, and myself, I think all three of us were in the towel ponchos. Remember that?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd never heard of the towel poncho until you did it, and I absolutely loved it like they're
2: so popular every time people (laughs) see them they have a reaction and to me it's just it's no big deal like oh i've done this before but like it's not something you do at every show but every once in a while you're just in this climate that's hot it's dirty and you don't want to be wearing your t-shirt because it's starting to stick to you And that's when you break out that hotel towel, (laughs) make a hole right in the middle. You tear it apart, you throw it on like Tyson style. And you know, it's just, I don't know. It's so satisfying. Do you remember
0: um, we were, we might've been in Monterey, but the show was in like a bullring. And so we were getting changed outside and it was hot as hell. Do you remember? Yes. Yes. I was dying. And it's like, yeah, at the same time, you don't want to keep like walking around. That's when we made the towels. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: What I thought you were going to reference was when we were going out to the bus at that airport and you realized you left all your most important stuff in the airport and then you went sprinting inside and you were just going crazy. Oh my God. Rightfully so. I mean, I think your passport was in there. Like, Yeah. You were faced with this uh, realistic situation that you might be in Mexico for like eight or nine days. Like, wow. Gin drag saved my ass
0: that day. It was gin drag. Well, gin drag and then. It my passport was missing for like a, nearly an hour, about forty five minutes, and they was I left it on the plane, and they were saying no, nope, it's not on there, it's not on there. I was like, oh. it is on there, it is on there, and the only reason we got it back is because the promoter of the tour that we were on was like right. friend, he was like friends with the owner of the airport, and he came yeah. and like salvaged it. <laughs> I was hey, I
2: was you so know mad. what I? I'm pretty sure I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but the crazy part is, is I got back from that trip. Mm. that trip that right there and i don't know if i ever told you this but i got back to la and you know we were i hung out with ginger at the last night so we got like no sleep and i get to lax and uh i went outside to wait because baggage claim was taking a few minutes and apparently like i set my backpack down and forgot about it oh geez. and i got i got in my uber and i got in the uber and then that's when i realized wait a minute where's my bag oh, and geez. dude so i basically went through exactly what you potentially went through although i was in i was at home but the worst part was is i mean all my payout from mexico was in there in cash. i mean we're talking thousands of dollars we're talking my ipad was in there which i still haven't bought back because i have a laptop and then, um i don't know just everything was in there bro my only saving grace was my passport was in my pocket because literally everything else was freaking gone and it was just it was so deflating, man. It took me a couple of days <laughs> to just, you know, keep, well, I, did a, I did about a day or two of selling. And then I just realized like, uh, I just have to start one by one getting all this stuff back.
0: Oh, hang on. You didn't get it back at all.
2: No, bro. In Los Angeles, you will never, you leave something around in LA, you are not getting it back. It's not the type of place where they bring it. And they're like, oh, somebody, yeah, it was gone. I mean, I went back to check, but it was gone. And I, you know, it's, it's just, that's the, not the type of thing you leave around in LA. It was uh, just too much yeah bro it was brutal man it was brutal that's oh my the god
0: worst. i oh that's the but me bro.
2: having the passport was huge yes like it does may not sound like much to a lot of people but for us it's huge because it's still mm-hmm. that was my way that i could still do everything i need to do mm-hmm. basically
0: i feel like just being on the road if i whenever i'm international which is you know sometimes more often than not i pretty much spend the whole trip just being paranoid about losing my passport <laughs>
2: Well, here's what happened. I changed my whole approach after that. I no longer did backpacks. Like, I do have a sack, Mm -hmm. but now I do, like, a fanny pack, but it's called a crossover. Ever since that trip, I'm like, okay, what is there to learn from this? Like, yeah, you left the bag down. I'm like, you know what? I needed to maybe not get a backpack. I need something that's strapped right in front of me, so Mm -hmm. it's just I'll I'll always know it's not there. And so, yeah, like, that was the kind of what I I took out of that. And that's actually actually been a, a huge much switch because now when i'm at the airport it's so much easier to just go into the bag here passport yeah. put it back in rather than taking the bag off and all that yeah. it's just the game changer
0: well i've always been a man bag guy but like always i'm um, on my side but i actually yeah. i actually got the fanny pack across the chest from you i saw you doing it and I d- i've done it myself now
2: <laughs> yeah it's dude i i won't go away from that either now because it's just i haven't lost it just feels like I won't lose anything like that or the likelihood is much less. Cause I'm used to always having something strapped on my chest. Now when I'm traveling or out or, or, you know, unless I'm working out or, or wrestling. Obviously.
0: Right. Yeah. I didn't realize that you lost all that. That's, Oh, that's oh
2: bro, bro. I, it was brutal. It was brutal. And I just, I just thought about it because I remembered it was two days before that you went through the same scare. <laughs> yeah.
0: I like with me, It wasn't even worried about losing money or my bank cards. It was just like, please don't lose my passport. I would have been so screwed if that happened. Yeah, see,
2: and 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 that was because you were in Mexico, but even being at home in LA, you know, just to have the passport was like, oh, thank God. Like, okay, I'll be okay. This is going to really suck for a minute, but I at least have the passport.
0: Yeah, geez. Well, at least we had a good time in Mexico. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Those memories. Um, So as I was saying, um, we're here to talk about Taboo Tuesday. From 2005 uh i guess we should just get to it yeah and i guess there's an
1: obvious question right to start off with is taboo tuesday is quite a unique premise for a pay-per-view right but i was actually wondering when i was watching it like how true is the conceit of it in that you know you're not knowing what you're up against until the audience votes are in and when they are in assuming it is true like what are you given, and how much time do you have to prepare? Is it really as on the fly as they make it out to seem?
2: Yeah, it was. It was a shoot. Oh, from from everything I could say, tell, it was a shoot because uh, we didn't know. We we knew that there was a likelihood of a certain combination of match because I think what it was is voting for our opponents. It was me and Snitsky who came in for uh, Edge Edge, Edge yeah. got hurt, and then I. So I think the only question was was. Who was going to team up maybe with Rey Mysterio, whether it was going to be Matt Hardy, Christian, or I think there we had maybe there was one more option too. Maybe I've, you I've, guys-
0: got, I've got the options here. So Matt Hardy uh, got 31% of the votes, Rey Mysterio 29%, JBL 17%, Christian 13%, and uh, poor old hardcore Holly with 10%.
2: So when you read it back to me, though, that seems kind of obvious, doesn't it? Like that who would win that? Co- what so, combo would win that? So the whole
0: pay-per-view, basically, they they, they did the, the votes as far as, like you say, like legit, but they basically kind of make it where it's so obvious, like
1: who's going to win, it seems. They Almost kind like of push- forcing your hand, yeah, like a right. magician would with a card, yeah.
2: Well, here's the thing. I know this, and i looking back now is because, so one of the things that stood out to me was I remembered we didn't know for sure. We knew that the Matt Hardy and uh, Ray Mysterio was the most likely combo. So I know that we worked over stuff with them earlier in the day, which I'll have more about that um, as we progress here. But um, I remember, though, too, that Christian, we had spoken to Christian a few times about the possibility of him getting voted in and what we would possibly do if it was him. And, like, you know, it's one of those things where you look back at it now and you, like, the wrestling business is so weird. Like, you don't know kind of who is working. <laughs> like, was working. Like, was Christian getting worked? Or was the office having Christian work us? Or was everybody <laughs> work, working everybody? Because, you know, it seems very, again, like, just with the way you laid that out, it seems pretty obvious the fans are going to vote for Matt and Ray. But at the same time, again, I remember Christian being – and if you look at the list, too, Christian would be the next guy who could – possibly be voted in so and i even remember christian being geared up honestly everyone's geared up yeah 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 i remember he was geared up and it was stressful though too because i I mean you gotta understand remember where i'm coming at from this like i'm only basically two years into my development so not only you know you know i'm I'm on raw and all this stuff and now they throw this taboo know, i'm having a harder. and you know a lot I know that's like having a hard time. You know, I was I was able to be led, but you know, it's just funny to be, you know, it's already so much pressure to go into these situations when you're that early in your career. And then you throw something like taboo t- state somebody where it's like, oh, you're not gonna know. And but it's a good thing, like a guy like me coming out of the OBW system. I mean, that's all we basically learned was psychology and how to like call it on the fly. So I mean, right. you know, I was kind of one of those guys that you're not gonna rattle with something like i mean i would still get rattled on a stage like taboo tuesday because it's wwe and i'm not i'm not deep enough into my career even with that experience to, uh you know comfortable with that but um but yeah it was uh yeah it was interesting and it was stressful but i know that we knew that that was the most likely combo so we worked over stuff with them
1: well because so they- i'm so shocked that, that it's completely legit well, they had to, I guess, right? <laughs> they had to have it legit. Well, otherwise. if
2: you remember, too, another kind of thing that kind of gives it away, I think, was the time that HBK worked Hunter and he was legit hurt, right? Was that the that wasn't that Taboo Tuesday though? I think it was the year before. That was the, the year before. before, yeah. Yeah, but like you know, again, if if they were working that, most likely they wouldn't have put Sean into that situation you know, mm. with uh, the bad knee. You know what I mean? I mean, they turned mm. it into a part of the match and they were able to do it, but um. But again, you know, and that was just the vi- I, everything that I can remember about that time. I mean, there was nothing we weren't led to believe that it was a work at all. And, I, you know, all wrestlers are obviously the most skeptical of that. <laughs> yeah. So, but again, like WWE did everything they could to work the boys or, or you know, kind of kayfabe the boys, you know, like at the new year's revolution that year, like we had no idea after the elimination chamber that edge was going to come out there and cash in the title. But, you know, that's obviously because we didn't need to know really. Right.
0: Right right well especially definitely these days stuff gets leaked so quickly just oh yeah well it
2: was like that too then like that's why they didn't tell the boys because they knew like oh well that's more people that know and better chance for it to get leaked and then that ruins everything
0: yeah i mean with this so like it it, it was kind of obvious it was going to be ray and matt because they were both the big baby faces christian and jbl were heels at the time and hardcore i just don't think was like as as obviously pushed as ray or on Matt. so it's yeah, jbl
2: obvious. and holly never spoke to us at all or anything like, they knew <laughs> they, they just knew they weren't going to be in it christian was the only one that we had some dialogues with and we were they were always like okay if it is me in this situation i feel like christian didn't know either honestly looking back at it because I, I feel like the way christian approached it with us I mean, christian's a very funny guy and he'll look for any reason to rib somebody but everything i can remember and this was going a while back was every time we spoke to christian He was speaking. uh, He was speaking serious about how we would insert him into the match we had if it did happen to be him.
0: Well, it's funny because JBL actually got more votes than Christian. So Uh, that's weird, right? (laughs) Well, I guess they're going to get the fans that want to vote for a heel, and JBL was. Uh, Ah, yeah.
2: yeah. But
0: like, it's funny you said that. Like you said, like you know, you learn how to call on the fly in OVW, which is great, and I think every wrestler should know that. But also. There's a big difference between calling on the fly on a house show and then calling on the fly on a live pay-per-view.
2: <laughs> oh god, yeah. Like you just you don't really do that. I mean, you you obviously as you know, you create there's parts of the match that can be improvised or sometimes shit just falls in your lap so you mm-hmm. take it, but you know, it's definitely one of those things where you want to know what story you're telling, you want to know how you're going to tell it generally and like but you know, I, I feel like most of us when you're good, you there's always room for some calling it in there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's never yeah. like, it's never A to Z. It's like A, B, C, and then maybe uh, Apple, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Your bullet your bullet points, so to speak, of that, how we're telling the story. And then, you know, your instincts take over in between a lot of that stuff. It's like, oh, okay. His leg is hurt. Now I'll do my, all my leg shit that I like or whatever. So I'm cursing all over the fog. Uh, you know, oh, you're people. fine. You're, you're fine.
0: fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, speaking of sort of calling on the fly because i watched this and it was it was a pretty long match as well i think it was like over 30 minutes and you guys did like a lot of high spots and everything else so i was like okay they definitely spoke about this because you i feel like maybe the fans can't tell but
2: oh we couldn't you- call that yeah when, even when right. i think back to it it was very i mean think about it, it's matt well i guess what matt you could i guess both of them you could but no like i just remember there was a lot of uh stuff that kind of connected together in this. I also remember this was one of those matches that, for whatever reason, by the end of it, I had no saliva in my mouth at like, all. Oh, like I was so dehydrated, and it was so brutal, and I was just like trying to figure out how to never have that happen again. You know what I mean? It was, just, yeah. you know, it was the first time that ever happened to me that my mouth was that dry. Ugh, like, I don't know. Cool. You know what I mean? That, that's rather, happened to me a few times. Yeah, I see. It's terrible, but like The biggest thing I remember that came out of this was uh, a huge drama for me personally because I remember, and it became a big thing with John Laurinaitis and Vince McMahon and everybody, but, you know, so it was Spitzky and myself against uh, Matt Hardy and Rey Mysterio. And so we go over the match, but we lay it out in a way because, you know, none of us, nobody really instructed us on who is to take the fall. So as we're laying it out, it just worked out for the match in a way where, Oh, I was right there for it. I was the right guy. But um, then once the match actually happened and I ended up taking the pin, Vince apparently went insane because he had told, apparently he had told Johnny to make sure that I don't don't take the fall because they wanted me to keep me strong and not take Mm -hmm. a fall because, you know, they were still, me to potentially work scene at that point. And so that didn't happen. And it became a big, dramatic thing in the back and I never remember Johnny telling me but I also remember it was kind of like you know there are a lot of moments in your career that will happen that like you don't know at that time that it kind of might be a bigger deal than they seem mm-hmm. and that was one of them because again like at that moment it just seemed like oh well I took the fall whatever it should be okay but it's like no oh, there was a reason he didn't want me to take the fall and that was the start of kind of at least slowing my momentum I mean I did a lot more to slow it down as, we, as I went forward with my career, you know what I mean, with my personal stuff. But I remember that stood, that always stands out to me as one of those times where, but again, I mean, if I knew, I, I, even with me and my impaired brain back at that point in my life, I, it would have stood out to me if that was a key point that was stressed by somebody like John. Because I think Laurinaitis was our agent. And I think that's why he ties into this. Even though he was town relations, he would still produce matches, like matches here and there. And I just know that Again, even with my impaired brain, I wouldn't have remembered if they said, masters, do not take the paintball, Snitsky. Mm -hmm. And even if I didn't remember, it, somebody else would have. Snitsky would have remembered, I got to take the ball. And so like, but Johnny tried to pin it back on me. So that's where it became dramatic because I got back. And he was trying to say, he told me. And I was like, and again, I'm so like young and dumb. And (laughs) at that point that I'm like, did he tell me maybe he did tell me I don't, you know like i and i'm stressed because again you you got you can imagine marty i mean i'm 21 years old and i'm in this environment uh, amongst all these men that i grew up watching i'm like i'm one of a few of the you know kids now entering it and so you know it was very still uncomfortable for me like, right. you know, it, was a like- very, it was a very stressful environment so you put me in a situation like that i wasn't at a point still where i was like where I play, no, I definitely did not hear that. It was like, I right. was like, oh my God, did he tell me I didn't hear And so, yeah, that was, you know, that kind of sucks, but it yeah. happened. Well,
0: well, it's like you're 21 years old, you know, obviously you would have watched Rey Mysterio and Matt Hardy or the Hardy Boys when you were younger. Like, I can't imagine you being in the ring, they're trying to do the finish on you and you being like, no, the finish can't be on me. Like telling them, like, you can't beat me. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like
2: Oh yeah, but you, you know how it is. I mean, we worked over this match, uh, earlier in the day. So it wasn't like, it wasn't any surprise. right? Mean, we worked over the match in a way where Snitsky would take the fall and nobody, uh, again, we just, I feel like Johnny said, he told us, but to my recollection and you know, nobody else knew, I mean, you would
0: have, you would have thought the referee would have told you at the start, like when they got announced, okay, it's Matt and Ray, they're making their entrance. You would have thought they'd come up to you. Okay. It's the fool is whatever Ray on Snitsky or whatever.
2: No, because John, no, it wasn't even a, a, like something that was communicated that late. Because again, mm-hmm. I think we were approaching the match when we went over earlier in the day. Johnny was with us, mm-hmm. and we were going. We were just going over the match with Matt Hardy and Ray. Like that was the match. Yeah. yeah and again, yeah. we had some side dialogues with Christian because he hung around the area, mm-hmm. and so it was very clear everything that was happening. We went over the match. I mean, you know. I can't remember what Johnny's contribution was, but again, if Johnny would have told us earlier in the day as we're going over it, like, Snitsky needs to take the fall, we would have planned the whole match around that. So it wasn't like something even where it was like, we had to wait till the last minute, and now we know for sure that it's ready, Matt, and now they're telling us what to do. No, we just, we went right. into it with the approach of, this is the match. It could be Christian, and even if it is Christian, um, still, like, we're going to going through these, it, and, you know, I just right. happened... You know, again, the match just flowed in a way when we're playing together where, like, I was in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. The, the, but it, it sucks. It kind of, it might have stopped my momentum, at least in Vince's eyes, maybe. Right. I mean,
0: yeah, it's a difficult one. I guess that's, like, the unpredictability of doing a show like this and working the boys and such. But um there was a moment, I don't know if you remember this, Chris. Maybe you have to watch it back. There was something that stuck out to me, which I don't know if Sam noticed. I think if you're a wrestler, you definitely want to hear it. this. But uh, at one point, Matt Hardy put Snitsky up on the top rope and it looked like he was trying to do like a, maybe like a DDT off the second rope. And as he fell back, Snitsky kind of flipped over, took it like a superplex Mm. and pretty much landed on Matt Hardy. And you just, they hit the mat and you just see Matt Hardy get up and just go like, like he just had a really look on his face, like this kid, like he was not happy. Do you remember that?
2: (laughs) like honestly i don't remember that in the <laughs> moment but not, now i really want to watch it back when yeah you, but so you think that's so weird too because they it's almost like they were up there and they had two different ideas of what was supposed to happen
0: yeah i mean i guess it's part of like i, I don't know what happened like, but do you think
2: snitsky, do you think snitsky was trying to do the like ddt where you take the ddt and then you kind of flip that way Is was that what he was trying to do or that's, that's look what like i was, think no, oh, so th- you don't think you don't think he was trying to take a suplex, though, right? I, you think he was th- just trying to do that.
0: I, thi- I think I think whatever Matt Hardy was trying to do, it didn't seem like a great idea. Like a DDT from the second is kind of awkward, right? Like,
2: um, but not to mention when you have su- any you have a guy with long limbs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or, or or a guy who's super thick. Yeah. There's certain things that aren't going to work out like very good. Like there's guys all the time that will want to do the master lock, uh, the Bret Hart Piper thing where, you know, you kick the ropes mm-hmm. when you do it. And actually it does work well, but I've had a few times where guys are just too beefy for that. They're too yeah. thick around the neck and it's just going to be super uncomfortable. You know, you have to be at least somewhat athletic. Like Nick Nick and he pulled it off and he's pretty thick. So
0: it's it's funny actually, because, you know, I do the, the chicken wing and yeah. a lot of people call that finish to me as well. But it's actually, I think, more difficult than people think it is to like pull off and make it look. Good, you know what I mean. Like,
2: you have to be aggressive.
0: Well, I just think like sometimes the guy will kick off, and we'll go, we'll fall back, but then they like can't get their legs over to do the backwards roll. So we're just kind of like laying there on top of each other.
2: Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, that, yeah, and that's and that's the and it's the same situation with that um, that particular pinfall. Like uh, there's been a few situations where yeah, you just end up landing on top of each <laughs> right, other, and, they, right. and it's really uncomfortable too when you land like that. It's like oh yes, just,
0: it's not nice.
2: You, it's really grizzling. I'm just trying to remember why that happens, actually. I think it's usually it's usually because somebody tried I don't know if it was me trying to over-bump or maybe, I don't know, it's just one of those right. fundamental things, yeah.
0: <laughs> with this uh, match, so it was supposed to be you and Edge, and then they switched it to you and Snitsky. You said Edge was hurt. Um, I guess I've got two questions here. One, like, so you're teaming up with Snitsky here. It was kind of a one-off. Is there a fear of, hmm, if this tag match goes really well, maybe they'll put me in a tag team with Snitsky. Um, And also my second question, so it's supposed to be Edge. um, Obviously, this was just after all the stuff with Matt, Edge and Lita. Um, Was it kind of awkward at the time between those guys or they kind of cleared it by that point and it was all good?
2: Uh, your first question... Okay, these, these are pretty good questions here. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, okay, if the possibility of Snitsky teaming with Snitsky um, existed, it already had existed for a long time because Snitsky was actually my first travel partner in professional wrestling. Oh, and really? And boy, oh boy, the stories I have.
0: <laughs> I, I hate mean, to do with feet.
2: Oh, my God, man. I mean... Snitsky's a character, man. I don't even know what to say, man. He, I, I mean, he might he might be the perfect intro into the world of professional wrestling because he's just like, he's just so... Everything about him is so big. You know what I mean? Like, he's physically big. His personality is big. But, yeah, he had... Like, it was difficult, though, man, because I don't even know. Like, honestly, I'd be traveling with him for months. So if they had the idea to team us, they would have already had it based on the fact that, you know, I'm sure I was venting about him every week because i mean it was funny like i don't know you know Snitsky has the feet thing but you know Snitsky also liked himself some pornographic material and back <laughs> back in that uh, time frame there wasn't really we're, we're still talking pre-wifi so i remember i'd be on the road with Snitsky and you you know every drive was about 300 miles you know we'd be on we'd do the, the three live events and then the tv and so i'm on the road with Snitsky the whole time and every single night without fail no matter what, where, how long the drive, we'd have to stop by a porn store in our route, or even deviate sometimes to get to the porn, pornography store. And then I just remember, I, I would—I mean, I would be in such protest of this that I would sit in the car because I'm like, "We got a four, like we still have hours to drive. It's one in the morning. Like, what? are Like, we're in the middle of nowhere at this porn store." And I would. Sit in the car kind of out of protest, but we just just kind of hopefully hope to help expedite this process. But like then, usually 20, 25 minutes would go by, and then I'd come in there and then I get sucked into his world of <laughs> nastiness. And then like the funniest part to me was always when I told the boys this, and I think it's podcast friendly, it's fine, but I just remember we'd come off these long drives, man, and Stitsky would we'd always stop by whatever convenience store or truck stop, and we'd have maybe about 45 minutes left in the drive. And it's going to be like two or three in the morning. And Snitsky would get a Red Bull. He would get whatever kind of uh, ED pills they had, you know, sexual enhancing pills. And then if we were to truck stop, he would buy a set of like pantyhose, like the women would wear on their legs. And he would get in the car and he'd take that enhancement pill. He'd drink his Red Bull. And I'd just be like, what the heck is going to happen at the hotel? You know what I mean? But like at four in the morning when we check in, I like I never actually got the details. I mean, we know obviously what was happening, but like, I mean, you just know when he's drinking a Red Bull at that time that it's not gonna be some quick thing. I mean, we're talking about extended. <laughs> I always kind of envisioned it. I used to joke around with some of the boys and say that I envisioned it like kind of him like getting real aggressive with himself and throwing himself against the wall and <laughs> making the It's ridiculous. <laughs> to even put this out into the world but yeah this was my um experience with uh <laughs> that's just part of it bro like i will say this though thank god once wi-fi came out the only reason i knew about wi-fi when i did was because because of I, I remember once there was a certain point where he had to only get a hotel that had wi-fi and all i knew at that point was if we had a hotel that had wi-fi we didn't have to stop at a porn shop so okay. thank god <laughs> <laughs> so you were riding with him but you weren't room
0: rooming with him then though.
2: oh god no are you kidding me <laughs> no no never no i could it. i couldn't no. um but what, so i know it's just part of the cisco experience once i mean it'll be a part of my book one day but um what was the second question
0: i was so it's supposed to be edge right but um and this was just after the whole edge leader and Matt
2: yeah oh my gosh you know like what a weird time for me to be there like when well, i was back in an <laughs> Well, honestly, when I look back at it now, I think about some of the stuff I was a part of, like that little feud, the Chris Benoit tragedy, even just like Sean and Hogan working with each other right before I worked with Sean. Like all that stuff was real, uh, real weird, but it was hard to like internalize or focus too much on it because, again, I was so like trying to make sure that I pulled my weight and did my job. Right. So it's not like I could just be like, oh, my gosh, this is pretty darn cool to be part of the business to this extent around all this drama. But I, I just remember with the Matt Edge thing that, um you know, the beef was obviously real, but once uh, Matt came back, you could tell that they had at least an understanding of being professional mm-hmm. and, and making, you know, like, let's make this work for us. And But I do know that, you know, we used to make jokes all the time because anybody who worked with Matt Hardy after that Edge you would joke around about all the potatoes Matt would throw. And they'd always tie it to the fact that, oh, we just came off that rivalry of edge and they were just probably laying it into each other, which, you know, they probably were too. I mean, you know, you might as well, I I mean, not in a completely unsafe way, but I mean, you know, I mean, I'm going to even hit my friend hard in a pay-per-view situation just because he's my friend and we're trying to, you know, in a safe way to do good business. So, I mean, let alone you beefing with somebody, I mean, probably... Yeah, I mean, not in a way where you tell them we're we're gonna shoot fine over here, but you know, you might as well just you know let out some frustration.
0: Well, it was a you know they they did the angle out of like a shoot thing, so I guess they felt like they had to kind of make it look real and like a shoot in the ring as well. I guess.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, and there was that pressure too, and mm-hmm. and I just I'm just trying to remember what the vibe was like with the boys though, because obviously everybody would have had I don't know maybe nobody was talking to me about it too much because I, so, I was so new. Yeah. But, um, I just do remember that. Wow, God, like, I can't even. Believe, I can't even believe I was around for that type of stuff. because That was feel, like when I was first starting.
0: Do you feel like Edge had kind of heat with the boys over that kind of thing, or do people not really take sides?
2: I think he did have heat, but I think he was also liked kind of so much that it wasn't like career. It wasn't like uh, obviously he he can come back from because look, he did. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. I think people in the end of the day. I mean, probably Lita maybe took more heat than oh, uh, any of them. I, I think it's hard to say, man, because that was one of those things where, like, I was there, but I feel like to try to take the temperature on it was kind of difficult. Like, I, I'm sure that our gut instinct is probably right that Edge took heat from it. But, again, like, it wasn't, like, career-ending heat, obviously, because he went on and did a great business and worked with everybody, and it's still, you know, to this day, he's loved, actually. So, for sure. Um, I just remember. Yeah. that Like every, everybody kind of knew, obviously the beef was real because of how they had given birth to it. But, uh, you know, the way they approached it was very professional on backstage and there wasn't like, I can't remember awkward moments or anything like that. It feels like something and I'm sure I heard they did this anyway, where they had sat down in a room and made some kind of understanding about how they were going to go about this. For sure. For sure. That is, uh, there's something else from the
0: match that really stuck out, which I don't know if you remember this at all, but do you remember Matt Hardy's tan job for this show?
1: My God. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, why wow. was it streaking or orange Dude, or it was all over he, the place, right?
0: Yeah. Like he must've done it like right before, like 20 minutes before he wrestled and then maybe put like the water over him or sprayed himself water. Cause it was just like flowing all over him. It looked so bad. It was very distracting.
2: Yeah, some of those and uh, some of those tan jobs that I, you know, I rather, I rather just be moderately tan than look like ridiculous. Like you know, and some of the tanners look yellow. That's what kind of turned me off from self tanner. But like, I don't know. I just try to go moderate with everything. Like I'm not trying to be the most jag guy or the most tan guy. I'm just trying to look like a good amount of all of that, but still human.
0: Well, yeah, I think man. I think you did a good job. If you weren't trying to be the most jacked guy, then... Uh... Well, no, now. I'm talking about now. <laughs> I'm
2: talking about... Because, well, you know, what I'm trying to change myself to now is a little more of less meathead, a little more of like a prima donna type character because I'm not 280 pounds anymore or anything like that. So, like, right. you know, I'm talking about the current version of me. Yeah, yeah like the one... For this Tablet Tuesday was definitely one of the most jack guys in the business. <laughs> for sure. But like what you know what separated me, because you know, I was twenty-one at the time and I always tell people this that you know might not understand is like I had a muscle maturity to me of a guy who was in his thirties or so. Yes. You know, like it, there was a hardness and vascularity, because it wasn't that I was the biggest twenty-one year old that's ever been. It's just like I had the body of a guy that had been working out a lot longer than he actually had.
0: Dude, we, this, this is episode number 12. So we've reviewed 12 shows and we're always sort of commenting on, oh, this guy looked jacked or this guy looked jacked. Like me and Sam were pretty much watching this show at the same time. And Sam kept texting me being like, dude, Chris is so ripped. And I was like, <laughs> he's ripped, but he's also ginormous. He's <laughs> like, also massive. Yeah, yeah, And,
2: and like, a lot, so people have been throwing that at me for my comparing that to me my whole career. But like, for me, honestly, what I've come to realisation is Um, Like, that wasn't what was important to me. Like, yeah, it was good and it got my uh, foot in the door. But what was more important to me is, like, being able to move well in the ring. And, like, even to sacrifice some of that size just so that I can bump around and have a more exciting match and I don't have to work my game like this big powerhouse that can't be moved. So, um, you know, that's kind of what I try to uh, get away from a bit, you know, if I can. And, like, again, and even just the look of it, like when I see myself at that point, I'm impressed by it, yes. But I don't yearn to look like that. I mean, honestly, the more attention I got from anybody at that size was from guys, like yeah. asking how big my arms are and how much I bench. Like I actually get a lot more attention from females, being, yeah. you know, a more athletic, moderate size mm. kind of, you know, dude.
0: Yeah, I think like that sort of Zeke, it's 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 impressive and everything else, but I don't feel like being that big suits the sort of wrestling lifestyle as well as
2: uh, he, it like, feels kind I of think. dated to me now too man it just mm-hmm. feels like i don't know when i see somebody who's that. i mean that's fine and everything and it's cool but like i don't know i just feel like that's not even what the business is anymore if you no. look at, it's more about just performance and mm-hmm. like size size uh, doesn't matter as much like it only no. should matter somewhat because it's pro wrestling and i always feel like People know what to work, so you want to have some guys that look like they can beat the hell out of any civilian type thing, yeah. But, um, but uh, you know, it just it doesn't matter as much, man. It's more right. about performance, like, and again, that was the stuff that was more important. I geared myself towards my the eight year old version of me, what was important to me back then, and like, or even more so the 10 year old version of me, and like, yeah, like, because the eight year old version of me loved the ultimate warrior and all that stuff, but then as I got older, yeah. I loved Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect, mm-hmm. those were my guys, and it was because. You know, they had character and all that stuff, but they also moved well in the ring and they worked well around the ring. And that was just, that was a huge thing for me. That, your your look was important and your gear was important. And, you know, just like, you know, conviction in your promos.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's more, it's definitely more sustainable. Um, just the, one more thing about this match. Do you remember this, like this whole match? I guess the, I, the feud or the storyline was Raw versus SmackDown. Mm. You were part of SmackDown um sorry. Oh, raw. You were part raw. okay Ray rain yeah. matter from smackdown so they had two referees in the ring as well so not only did you not know what the match was going to be exactly um and you're kind of yeah. recording a bunch of stuff on the fly they also had two referees in the ring at the same time do you remember that
2: no i don't actually so wait a minute yeah. but they didn't they stayed in the match the whole time
0: yes the whole time yeah. A raw referee and a smackdown in referee and the whole t- they were both on the ground counting at the same time. It was kind of all over
2: the place. Like. hold on a second. This is real. Wait, wait, yes. how do, how does that like that kind of feels like a big detail, but I have no recollection of two <laughs> referees. So who was giving us the times? Like who were like that's so weird. I have to, dude, I have to watch this. I that, should have watched it back before I even got yeah, on here. I'm this, sorry, guys. I,
0: I was hoping that was one of my questions I was gonna ask you. That's why we got you on. <laughs> It was just yeah. chaos.
2: Like, it was... Yeah. Did it yeah. look like one of the referees was leading the show, or how did it look?
0: I hard honestly, to tell. I was trying to watch you guys. I, I, it was actually quite distracting. The referees and I was what is the to, point like...
2: of two referees? Is that to keep it fair and impartial?
0: So the idea was, I think, that Raw and SmackDown, I guess Bischoff and Teddy Long were kind of feuding.
2: Oh they, yeah, they couldn't.
0: Okay. They couldn't agree what the raw yeah. versus SmackDown like, match, like who the referee was going to be. So like yeah. they both had a referee
2: in there. Yeah, so okay. there was a that lot makes... going
0: on in this match. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was a bit overwhelming. And then we, the finish <laughs> got messed up because the wrong guy took the fall. So I just, I remember <laughs> it was a very overwhelming day. And I, it was in San Diego, which was, uh, is here in Cali. So mm. I re- remember I drove down there, which, you know, usually you would think would be better, but I think was actually more stressful because of traffic. Right, uh, well, LA traffic,
0: yeah, yeah and yeah. obviously you're working here with. Oh, go on, Sam. I
1: was to say, speaking of San Diego, I just wondered what it was actually like working with Ray, because like back then, I can't imagine, from my perspective, for you, like a better foil for like for you to be able to showcase you, right, than like somebody like equally talented but with that unique size and frame, just must have been perfect, right?
2: Well, Ray was just a different experience than I'd ever had in my uh, career wrestling because of the way he works and the way he moves you, you, he's mm-hmm. the one guy i remember at that point that you have to just kind of learn to be that base for him for a lot of his stuff and i he also wow. was he also was a huge lesson to me and like when i whip guys off because even at that point in my career again i was still green but like with ray i remember i went to shoot him off one time and like you know i tend to uh not completely pantomime stuff like i'll actually push a guy and it like i remember with ray when I was pushing him, it was throwing his footing off for the stuff he needed to do. Cause a lot of times it would be something uh, he would initiate out the corner. So uh, Ray kind of really taught me uh, how much in certain situations of pro wrestling, you need to pan mine. Like, cause the thing with me is, is when I was throwing him off his footing too, it didn't even feel like I was pushing him at all. I, I didn't know my own strength. I was as big as I was. I was young you now. And so like, I didn't even realize I was really pushing him. It felt like nothing to me. And he he had told me, he's like, Oh, you're uh you know, you're giving me a little bit too much there and it's throwing my footing off and kind of messing it up. So, uh, you know, it was just one of those kind of good lessons for me. That And, like, so now whenever I'm in that situation when I'm working somebody who has to initiate offense, you know what I mean, I make sure I take myself right back to that Ray Mysterio situation and make sure that I don't throw them off their path.
0: Yeah, Ray. Ray's the best. He's just, full
2: on the best. Yeah, he's like the most, I mean, Ray's just one of those guys, like, you know, him, I'm sure there may be a couple others, but he's one of those guys, like, they're universally loved yeah it,
0: i think so no one's got a bad word to say about ray i feel like what's crazy about ray i don't know if you found the same experience but like every time i've had the opportunity to wrestle him even though he's like a legend and been doing this for so long he's always like he's like you call the match Do you know what i mean like yeah, i end up calling the match for it. i'm like you're like the greatest of all time <laughs> but he's just so good just knows his stuff so well that he doesn't even care he's like you call it i'll get myself over like he's just that good
2: that must be a veteran thing too because i didn't work him enough to uh like uh, p- to get that out of him but like that was my exact experience with hbk i worked oh, wow. him one time i worked him one time at a, at a house show or no it wasn't right away it was like i earned his trust in the first house show match but there was a certain point where he was like you're calling the matches you know what i mean and like it went on for that like that forever which you can understand was very awkward for me again, because just to even try to tell a legend of that status, Hey, this is what we're doing next. You know, I I just phrased everything in the form of, and then like, I had the same mentality as you was like, Oh shit. Like you're the goat. And you're like, I'm But you know, it was, uh, I mean, what a great confidence builder. And like, I mean, still probably the easiest work experience of my life just because of the equity he had with the crowd and because of who he was to me. But like, you know, I'll never forget that same thing, man. Like just him having the trust in me to call the matches was like, wow, man, this is just you know, that'll always stick with me because that was such a huge thing, you know, to have your childhood idol, you know, to even be in that experience with him, but then also to not, you know, to get the babyface version of him in the second run with who's actually, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like you heard like the first version I was a fan of, but like I imagine he would have been very difficult maybe to work with. <laughs> yeah. or, you know what I mean? I don't know. I always thought about that. It'd be like interesting. If I like come in five, seven years before that, to work with him. Like what that experience would have been like. <laughs> right. Right. So like
0: <laughs> this show. So if I'm getting this right, you're like seven to eight months into your like actual on TV WWE run. Um, you mentioned earlier about Vince and Johnny Ace Like, who do you think at this time, like during the period of this show, if you can remember, who was like a big proponent of you? Who was like fighting for you in the office or in creative? Were there people that were sort of fans of yours that were pushing heavy for you that stand out?
2: Uh, I think Vince. Vince was a big fan of mine. I reminded him of Paul Orndorff. And I know that Vince was obviously because of my body and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, um, (laughs) Cena and me never mixed well. You know, we came up in UPW, but I don't think Cena was really a proponent of mine and I can't really argue with some of his reasons around that timeframe, but again, I was so young, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I always look back at my time with Cena. I'm like, you know, we started in UPW and if you disapproved of how I went about things, you know, you should have just might be just take me to the side and convey that, you know, try to uh, guide me. But so I, I'd say like, you know, Cena wasn't a proponent for me, but um, you know, Vince was, and Sean definitely was too, because you know, the thing was, is all I've said, told people about this a few times, but I would work a lot with Sean and Cena around that time frame uh, in various matches, singles, tags and stuff like that and um, you know it was very difficult to work with Cena but it was easy to work with Sean and that was because like me personally I was at a point where I could have a good match with somebody who was better than me but I couldn't have a good match with somebody of my talent or obviously a lesser talent or whatever and Cena and me were close enough at that point like he was way more over obviously because you know his character and stuff but you know, we neither one of us were Shawn Michaels. But right. uh, you know, C- Cena would complain about me like out loud sometimes. And I just remember one time Cena said something and then Sean rolled up in the same room and said, I didn't have any problem with him. And I was just like, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like it's not all me, dude. Like, and I, you know, just looking back at it, I kind of realized now too, even just to I think learning more about Cena is just Cena was very uh Obsessive compulsive disorder. Like, you know, like, and he would let that go when he worked with guys like Sean and Flair and all that. But when he worked with guys like me, it would say he would feel like he had to take over and, and take control. Cause I remember even at a certain point, he was trying to call my heat for me, which if you're a worker in the business, you know, that's like a terrible way to work. Like, you can't have somebody calling your every single thing in heat because you're going to second guess your shit. And that's just not how it works. You know, it's their job to react to what I'm doing, not for you to call my offense. So, you know, it was just difficult, you know, some of the uh, on-job difficulties in that first year.
0: <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned all of that because I was thinking, so the era that you came in and were in WB in this sort of time period, you know, they call it the, the ruthless aggression era and ruthless, aggression. ruthless aggression. And there seems to be so many guys from the ruthless aggression era that were kind of like either in the mid card or had come from, you know, like you from OVW, uh, they had a short run at WWE and then just disappeared and you never saw them again. Like I think guys like, like Rob Conway and Luther Reigns and a bunch of different, even Snitsy, Snitsky to a degree. There were so many yeah. guys that just were there, then they were gone. You have like, obviously we're here now we're talking today, you're still wrestling all over the place. You've kind of stood the test of time and, you know, gone on to do sort of great things. What do you think was made you different from the rest of those sort of guys in that era that had like a similar sort of
2: well, I was start younger. to you? I-, I was the youngest too out of all those guys. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to think of who is comparable. I mean, Rene Dupree had commented at a really young age, but, you know, I was younger and uh, so I still had a lot more years. Like, I mean, think about it. I was signed at 19. So like I kind of always approached it like, oh, I, even maybe to a fall, I was like, oh, I have all of this time because I'm getting in here so young. But really, that I, when I try to advise people getting in the business now, I told them, like, you know, get, finish school and all that stuff first because you're going to pick up life skills and stuff you need and you're going to mature and you're going to need that for professional wrestling. Because, uh, you know, me getting in so young, actually, I feel like worked against me because I just, mm. you know, I, I needed to learn more about life and stuff like that before entering that kind Of feel, but I knew exactly what I wanted to do, so um, you're, wait, what was the question? Sorry, I, I feel like I'm like well,
0: I, ju- I guess, like, I, a lot of the guys, it's like they have oh, their standing
2: the test of time. I, yeah,
0: like a lot of guys uh, get fired, they get fired from WWE, and then they're like, I'm done with wrestling, you know what I mean? But obviously, you didn't take that approach.
2: At all. I just couldn't imagine not doing this, mm-hmm. I just couldn't. Like, it was engraved in my head since I was about 14. I loved it my whole life, but then it was. Once I turned 14, I just knew that for sure I wanted to do it, and I never wavered in that, even in, like, my early rejection before getting signed, like, I faced, you know, I tried for top it up and stuff and faced rejection, but to me, it was always back to the drawing board, back to the drawing board, then I got signed, and even to this day, it's still kind of like, I guess, back to the drawing board, it's like, okay, well, what do I have to do to, you know, like we were talking about before we came on air, to maximize, these last few years and make use of you know what I think I'm still capable of now and um but um I don't know I just love it I can't imagine doing anything else you know what I mean and, and like people still kept booking me based on what I did in WWE so I mean uh, to me when faced with the options, it's like well shoot I'd rather travel and go perform regardless of if it's 200 500 5000 it still uh, beats the hell out of doing any kind of routine <laughs> right. job I mean another thing is is I just can't imagine you we're going through life with the same kind of daily routine. So like to me, one part that I like about wrestling is it just breaks up the whole routine. You go, even if it's a pain in the ass, you go somewhere else, you see a different restaurant, you stay at a different hotel, you go out if you want to. And then, you know, you come back and you're kind of rejuvenated to be back in wherever you're residing at that point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I always feel like that. I, I will say this dude, if I would have been signed when I was 19 years old, I would have been fired within a week like that. You know what I mean? Like that's way too young, hard huh, to like
2: mature. Yeah. Realize. And I was so impressionable. You know, I'd never, I didn't have a dad growing up. Uh, not that I'm trying to make this some somber story for me, but I came into wrestling and I didn't have my dad kind of growing up. So like I just was, and I wasn't used to a locker room atmosphere because I didn't play team sports per se. So it was just, and I'm not saying that like it just made it a very overwhelming it was very cool, though. Like it was just as cool as it was stressful. Like you because I think any fan can imagine just if you're this hardcore fan and now you're stepping into that world and now you're a part of that world, like you're gonna have almost uh, equal amount of excitement as maybe anxiety and stress because you want it to go well. You want certain people, obviously, if not everybody, to like you. And you know, it's just uh, it's all. You know why it's overwhelming too is because it, it means so much to all of us. Like the, the ones of that of us they go to this extent to get in the business. It usually means like everything to us, you know what I mean? Because it is, you know, we're yeah. passionate. We're passionate about this. That's the, the, only reason you, you can really kind of get into this business, but then stay in it is because man, you really love it. And passionate about it you you've, got a, and you've got to, you've got
0: there's a lot of, there's a lot it. of
2: bad stuff about it too. And yeah. you have, like, that's the thing is there's a lot that like people who wouldn't be, wouldn't want to deal with. And then they usually might, you know, get out of it or whatever, but, so you have to be passionate enough to deal with like all the other stuff, whether it be rejection or traveling all the time or, or, you know, crappy promoters or whatever.
0: Yeah. It's, it's definitely tough. Um, I don't want to take too much of your time. I know. Sa- so Sam was going on to me about when I told him, Chris is coming
1: on the show. He was going on. Oh, I love
0: the master lock challenge. I love the master oh, lock challenge. So you want to ask I? something about that? Sam?
1: <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I love it. So, so all right. So, you, you, know, when you're not actively thinking of anything, you just like get something that's just playing in your brain, like a screensaver for your brain. For some reason, for me, it's the Master Lock Challenge with the Big Show, where you refuse to participate until he's wiped down with a towel, which is yeah. just like so demeaning. And I just like it's the funniest thing. Like that is my favorite kind of um, character recurring segment in wrestling. Is the Master Lock Challenge? I just, I just think it's the funniest thing but I've got
2: to, I I remember with that one, we, we tried to get it on him, but we couldn't.
1: Oh, really? Right.
2: Yeah. Like, and then we were experimenting with other ideas. Like one of the ideas was to get a chain or something to make (laughs) up the difference. But then we realized that that made no sense because I think it takes the tension off the neck, I guess, which is the whole point. Right. So, um, I don't remember even what we've, uh, I just think i never got it on him. Right.
1: Right. And then, yeah, well then you got in a mood. (laughs) <laughs> and then it, and, it all went, and then it all went to shit like it always does which is why it's so
2: funny. well that's because carlito probably messed up whatever plan we had because that's usually what what happened around that era is we had some kind of plan and then just, carly would deviate from it and it would all blow up in our face but you know that kept us uh that was pretty entertaining for a time
1: oh yeah definitely i, I was just actually wondering though like what Did you have any kind of like challenges, like getting the master lock challenge, like segment idea, like pitched initially? Because like I said, they do often always just like embarrass the challenger and you and always go crazy. I just wondered how that was to like pitch or if it was just smooth sailing.
2: Uh, Well, it wasn't really my pitch because I would have pitched something so basic because I was even as we were doing it of the belief, like, man, are people like this is just it's a full Nelson. Man, is it enough? Right. But uh, they, the company was very much in the way of they were trying to recondition the fans to believe in holds again and stuff because they had done really risque uh, stuff in terms of uh, finishes and tables and all that. So I don't know who pitched it. It was probably either Arn Anderson or Triple H, but I remember those were the kind of the guys who really helped me get it over and kind of believed in it and pushed for it. And uh, again, when you kind of, when you really just logically think about it uh, and take yourself out of kind of the wrestling bubble mindset, it is, it's legit. It's a legit hold. You just have to have the right person doing it. Like, you know, they have Bobby doing it now again, he's the right person to have a big guy doing it. And uh, it's something that everybody can understand. Cause you know, everybody starts doing it on each other when they see it on that too. And then they realize like, Oh, well, this is legit. You know, if you torque the guy's neck forward, that's going to cut off the blood flow and turn purple, they pass out.
1: Yeah. Well, Bob, Bobby beat the challenge, didn't he? Did you pass the torch to him, or is that why he doesn't? Uh, well,
2: unwilly, unknowingly, I guess I did. But, like, <laughs> when I look at wrestling uh, in general, uh, you you know, as a whole, it, it kind of almost makes sense that the guy, you know, Bobby breaking it would be the guy to adopt it. You know what I mean? When you, you just think about that, it's like, oh, well, okay, that kind of makes sense. It doesn't change the fact that, uh, you know, and I've been pitching this for a while now. I mean, I'd love a Hurt log versus Master log. Situation, and I think it would be a cool and different match in this day and age. But you know, we'll see. But uh you know, I I I think sometimes that WWE is the type of place where they might not even want to remind people of the Master log. You know what I mean?
0: I'm not. Sure. I I, I feel that? like. Well, I feel like every now and then they'll you know the Rumbles and stuff. They bring people from the past. So I wouldn't necessarily. I I, I kind of, I kind of get what you're saying. My question, I guess, about the the full Nelson. Be honest. Like when Bobby started doing it. Did it kind of annoy you at first or were you kind of like, oh, it's cool. He's kind of keeping it alive. And how did you feel at first?
2: Well, I was just kind of indifferent. Uh, Mm -hmm. At at certain points, I just thought of, well, what does that mean for me? Which Mm -hmm. when I really thought about it from that standpoint, I'm really like, oh, well, that's not good for bringing back Chris Masters because they're giving your hold to somebody else. But also I was never kind of at the mindset of going back really either. So like, that's why it wasn't so emotional to me. I just think I fell on like, oh, okay, that's interesting. What does that mean for me? And then once I got past that and just realized, well, what, it doesn't really matter. It's not like you had this eminent goal of returning there. It was more like, oh, well, it makes sense. that It'd be Bobby to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want to, yeah. I didn't want to be some bitter guy going on the internet writing about how Bobby <laughs> Nelson sucks compared to mine. Right. You know, if, if, right. if I ever had said anything like that, it's only been to try to push the uh, the angle.
0: Right. Well, I guess you can look at it two ways, either like you can say like that, like, what does this mean for me? But at the same time, there is a story there because obviously people remember the full nelson challenge and they were you know it doesn't take away from the fact that he's doing it now it doesn't take away from the fact that you did it for those years and kind of made it famous well that's, well, that's the
2: way I, that's the way i look at it and yeah. you know again you know it'd just be kind of an interesting uh deal but um shoot I and mean, you know bobby's a good dude too like yeah. the thing is is bobby like we you know bobby i mean you know i don't know there's just it's hard to object to because of when you factor all of that like the way he, he's the guy who broke it he physically looks yeah. the way he does and he's just a good dude so yeah well you know, ev-
0: ev- everything kind of gets recycled in wrestling obviously you weren't the first guy to do a full nelson as well so it's kind of like you know it's gonna eventually it's it, gonna come
2: you know, yeah it feels like uh, i think somebody said this but in wrestling it's like there's 10 year kind of 10-year thing where after mm. 10 years goes, you can kind of take something and, you know, not necessarily just steal it, but recycle it, and make it yeah. yours, not the deal, like, which yeah. is what, yeah, no, I think a lot of people are saying probably about LA Knight now, uh, you know what I mean, with his run he's having in WWE, but I don't know, I never, you know, yeah, some of it is rock and stone cold-ish, but, like, again, I just feel like he's made it his, you know what I mean, and, like, I don't look at it like it's some straight ripoff, but it has been interesting to see him and Nash now going at each other. But when I, <laughs> well, but when I see it, it almost hurts my heart. Cause I want to tell them, I'm like, Nash, you like, you would actually love this dude. And like, you guys would really actually get along. And like, so it's just, it's kind of weird to watch them getting, you know, it's, it's getting more heated with those guys. I'm like, gosh, well, maybe they'll turn it into money.
0: It's funny. It's like, if that's your, if that's the criticism, like, Oh, you're a cross between the rock and stone cold, Steve Austin. I don't think that's a terrible criticism to have I know, <laughs> oh, no it's
2: not but you know they're trying to say he's ripping off uh the oh. material but again like i just i don't know i just think he's he's made it his and like i can see like i don't know anybody who's known like him when he was eli drake and all this uh, like you're you're almost happy to see this because he's had he's he, yeah. he literally has had the exact polar opposite career of me like he's basically been working 20 years but like i went right into wwe And he's basically done, he went every other route and now he's there, And but it's all working at the right time for him too. You know what I mean? Like everybody's seeing what a lot of us already knew of him. Like he's, you know, he's a good good performer.
0: I I think it's just really cool that, someone has got over organically and the wd has decided to pick it up and they're they're rewarding him getting over Do you know i mean rather than
2: ignoring that was the other thing that's the finishing pieces puzzle is he got all the way to that point and then he even had to do it in spite of vince mcmahon Mm -hmm. and not everybody probably knows to the extent of that but like i will tell you man like it was not easy for him uh, by any means you know what i mean i mean everybody knows about the gimmick change he had to do and everything but i mean again vince even basically had him written off because he was 40 years old and like 40 is one thing when you've been there before, but I think it's for, uh, 40 is a whole other thing when it's like, this is now your debut to the WWE.
0: Right. Yeah, that's interesting way you put it, like the opposite to to your like your
2: career. Oh, completely, yeah. Like it's a trip to see, <laughs> but it's also inspiring, man. When I see mm-hmm. uh, him, I see Bobby, I see Carlito, even though Carly hasn't redebuted, debuted it's not, you know, I never have any hate for any of these guys. If anything, it inspires me. It's like, oh, wow, like there's still a chance for me to do something. You know what I mean? In this, exactly. You know what I mean?
0: exactly. I mean, you just said about, you know, I'll just ask you a few more questions because I don't want to take up too much of your time, but um you mentioned about obviously you spent a couple of years or a year or so at OVW. Have you heard or seen this new OVW documentary on Netflix yet?
2: No, but I do plan to watch it. And I did uh, return to OVW about a year and a half uh, ago, or maybe even two years ago to, work with uh, mr spectacular so i got to see what they're doing now you know what i mean oh, which cool. is you know it's still uh the same ovw but obviously it feels a lot different <laughs> right. at the same time it's uh it's weird going back but i'm definitely going to watch this series i mean uh there's i know quite a few guys i know in it you know uh, fanny pack kid is in there Cal hero yeah. and so uh have you watched it
0: i watched all seven episodes yeah and um it was pretty good it was pretty good I think Is it
2: like docu- is a documentary type stuff? Yeah,
0: but it's shot very well. Like the, the wrestling scenes that they shoot, it's like a movie. It's it's done so well. I think for me it's kind of funny because like the story is like a struggling wrestling company. So for me, it's not like a new story because I'm like, well, I've worked for those sort of companies <laughs> for like 20 years, you know what I mean? So for you, you might watch and be like, yeah, it's no- nothing new to me, but I can imagine someone that's outside the business or doesn't even like wrestling watching it being like what is this circus
2: is it, you know? well, is it is it popular is it really popular on Netflix right now
0: uh, I think it's doing pretty well I think yeah I think it's exactly
2: well. my, my my first question is like what what is if it gets really popular like what is what does it put out to the uh, universe about professional wrestling right is it good is it bad I mean not that I guess it matters too much because you got stuff like vice and all that now there's always yeah. some kind of negative stuff but like then again I mean the only reason I ask is because sometimes these things blow up on Netflix. And then right. people's perceptions of wrestling might be based on that. So,
0: yeah, I'm not sure if it gives, I don't know, if it gives the best
2: impression Is Al Snow on there? Al Snow's on there, right? Oh, yeah, he's all over
0: it, yeah. Al comes across great. Al comes across really well, yeah. <laughs> Grumpy, but, you know, he's great. He's funny.
2: Is um, his voice still scratchy?
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> when, did, when did he turn into John Laurinaitis?
0: <laughs> I, I do not know. I, I remember know.
2: I remember I saw him like a year ago uh, and he had like uh, these hiccups that would not go away and he, his voice was a scratchy and then like he got rid of the hiccups but the scratchy voice <laughs> just stayed with. Him.
0: I, I personally <laughs> feel like Al looks like better now than he ever did like i think with the short oh, hair yeah. and the tan oh, yeah. and he's jacks, i think he looks better than he did back in his prime
2: so oh yeah Definitely. well you know what i think a lot of guys have kind of done that you know you just figured out in this day and age that the of youth is taking care of yourself you know going to the gym you know whether you're bodybuilding or doing you know like the functional training and you know trying to put the right stuff in your body man and then you'll uh can age gracefully if not be For us guys, we can even have a second prime sometimes, you know? Yeah,
0: absolutely. No, I agree. And Shawn Michaels did that, you know, so it's it's Ah. definitely possible. Um, So the last- You're talking about about his actual second run, second run. Yeah, the second run, you know, like it's- Oh, no, but I
2: was, you know, I'm thinking about like, you look at guys like The Rock at 50 years old or whatever, and you know, he looks amazing. Again, Carlito looks amazing.
0: Dude, I saw that, um, you know, The Rock came back on SmackDown the other day, and I saw this meme- which just completely blew my mind. Right. So did you see the rocks return or pictures of it? At yeah. All?
2: What is it? The 2003 to 2023 one or something like well, that. It, that-
0: it says this, it says that, so the rock, so when he did that segment on SmackDown the other day, he's the same age as Bruno was when Bruno came back to help David, his son, the same age as Hogan was when Hogan was Mr. America, the same age as Flair was when he was pretending to have a heart attack in WCW, which is like late nineties, the same age as Shawn Michaels was for his Saudi Arabia match and the same age as uh, Hardy Race was when he was managing Vader and I was just like wow yeah well that's
2: the, so that's the perfect like that's what I'm saying like yeah not even a second prime in terms of your in ring wrestling I'm talking about a second prime in terms of how you physically mature and how you age you know what I mean the, there's two yes. ways you can go you can either go off the cliff or you can actually be maybe better uh, in some ways
0: yeah. Because you gain that years of knowledge of like how to look after yourself and everything else. And it becomes more of a priority as you get older, right? Like, but also now,
2: some guys, some guys just look better with some maturity. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about even from a physical standpoint.
0: True, yeah. true, true. Well, I want to get this. If you, if it's cool with you to finish yeah. this on a, um, a word association game, we have a little oh, bit boy. of fun. So basically, okay. cause I want to, obviously we're talking about taboo Tuesday. There's kind of a host of different talents on this show. So, If you're cool with it, I'd like to ask the name. And if you can just give me like the first thing that comes to your head, it can be one word answers or it can, there's no rules. You can do whatever you like, but if we could do that, I think that'd be fun. (laughs) Okay. Okay, You ready?
2: Yeah. Mick Foley. Legend.
0: (laughs) Rob Conway. Ego.
2: Ooh. Tyson. I mean that in a good way, Rob.
0: (laughs) Tyson Tomko. Badass lita cool eric bischoff oh my gosh
2: uh
0: <laughs> stumped you
2: and you know well it's weird because i there's like a word association for my personal interactions and then there's like almost a fan word association for you know what i mean when i think of, about somebody like bischoff because like he's a really personable, nice guy but like that's not what i you know i also lean towards the bischoff that i didn't even know and watched and stuff and so i'm just trying to think of what <laughs> my summation of him would be um
0: just first thing that comes to mind
2: he's a good dude you know nah i can't think <laughs> of he's a good dude you know uh gold dust hilarious
0: <laughs> trish stratus
2: i mean i had a little crush on her so i'll just say crush
0: you know <laughs> i think i think everyone did yeah. Tr- triple h
2: I'm, I'm gonna say intimidating and i've told people this before i'll just explain why is because even when Hunter wasn't angry, he would just have this face. You know what I mean? Like I think Randy kind of marked it one time, you know what I mean? And he would always look like I would have, I remember I'd be traveling with Randy and we would show up to the building and I'd see that face. And it just, he'd always make me feel like I'd done something wrong. Even if I <laughs> So like, I always just, I always just looked at it like, man, that face, just something of that face makes me always feel like I'm in trouble or something.
0: The resting bitch face, whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess
2: that's it. He had a guy version of that. Yeah. <laughs> Batista fashionable jacked
0: <laughs> okay, well i had john cena on the list but you already kind of spoke we about already john. know now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and uh, the final one sean michaels
2: Ah, uh, the goat you, yeah, don't
0: th- just, you don't you don't think it's bret hart
2: well i mean uh, brett and sean were both my guys but sean was always like my main i don't know like it's hard it's one of those things because i i'd never want <laughs> I never want Brett to pull up something. And, you know, it's like one of those things where you, you know, we will not want Brett to hear that. Cause I, I love Brett that much too. But like, you know, both of them were just my guys, but you know, Sean really just, uh, you know, the showmanship and stuff and the athleticism and, you know, but again, you know, Brett was just, they were just so different too. You know, there was stuff about Brett that you could also, he had a way of selling that was just as believable, but different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, I just know that like, My favorite version of Worker was always the heel that would bounce around, you know, athletic heel that would bounce around and stuff like that. So that's why, you know, Sean and Flair were kind of my, and Perfect were like my main guys.
0: Yeah. Again, people always compare them, but it's not really fair to compare because they're quite obviously different talents. Do you know what I mean? It's quite...
2: Well, also you just, you needed both of them. Like their rivalry too was a big part of uh, each of them because it was so real, especially to us watching and we knew it was real and, Mm -hmm. and how competitive you know, like that's what you strive for in any sport is guys who are that competitive with each other. You know what I mean? So, yes. you know, and that just makes for the best content, the best uh, athletics, the best whatever. And that's what it was with them. Those guys were so competitive with each other. And it just gave us uh, some really compelling stuff to watch because we knew it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sorry I tried to make you choose. Um, <laughs> so before we, we really appreciate you coming on the show today, Chris. Yeah. Um, Whilst you're on air, do you have anything that you have coming up or anything you want to plug or even, or so, like, where can we find you?
2: Yeah, just uh, I'm mainly active on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at uh, ChrisMasters310. And then uh, obviously, I've been working with uh, NWA Wrestling. So, anytime uh, you want to, you can type in uh, NWA and Chris Adonis, which is what I go by now more so than uh, Masters. Uh, You can check out some of that. I feel like I've done probably some of the uh, best work in my career in the last couple of years. So, check out anything that might be on YouTube or all their content is on fight.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much. I always just really enjoy talking to you because sort of like me, you're just so passionate about wrestling. So this was like the perfect show to have you on. You've always got great insight. Uh, you're always a good brother. So Thank you so much for coming on the show. (laughs) Really appreciate it. And uh, so much. Yeah. I really hope I get to run into you soon. And if I don't see you in person soon, I hope I get to see you on TV. Some somewhere soon would be very cool as well.
2: No, you know, I always have a saying in these moments, bro, It's always till next time. Who knows where we'll be, but I'm sure we'll be somewhere on this planet and we'll be getting ready for a wrestling show. Hopefully we'll have our towel ponchos made and,
0: (laughs) Well, maybe
2: maybe maybe Lido will be there again, or who knows?
0: <laughs> that would be that would be lovely. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate it. Thank you, All right, brother. Take Amazing. care, guys.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I can't believe it's real.
0: I'm. That doesn't surprise me. I don't feel like they can do something like this on this scale. They can't have six million people voting and it not be real. That just would not be good business. Yeah, yeah. The way they get around it, and we kind of discussed it with Chris just then, is they'll give you choices, but it's, they're always pushing towards one like this yeah. one. It was very obvious that Ray and Matt Hardy were going to win. And yeah. I think even like the year previous, they had a match where I can't remember who it was, but the choices for stipulation were, it was like a street fight, a hardcore match or a no holds barred match. And you love the gimmick matches and you know, they're all the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. so they, Yeah. So that's where I feel like we said about the the idea, the concept of the show is really cool, but I don't feel like they really went all the way with it because even later, like I'm not doing spoilers here, but they have Triple H versus Ric Flair and they've got like the, the stipulation choices are a normal match, a submission match or a cage match. So already the cage match is obviously going to win, but then you had Flair on Raw asking the audience please vote for cage match i want a cage match so like it's like the fans have the choice but at the same time it's kind of like you know wb is steering them in the right direction
2: yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah hang on whoa, 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 whoa so there could have been if the vote went a different way a match between Shawn michaels and trevor murdoch because there was the big show, Kane and Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And Shawn Michaels won for the final ones. And then straight afterwards, the big show and Kane were against Trevor Murdoch and Lance Cade. So if Kane won, for example, does that mean it was going to be Shawn Michaels in the match with frigging Trevor Murdoch? I mean,
0: first of all, you're getting ahead of ourselves. But yes, you're right. I know, yeah.
1: but I'm just having this kind of crazy. This There's a parallel universe somewhere where that match actually happened. But that
0: was never going to happen either. No,
1: of course not. That, well, well, actually, that might be another reason why they don't do it nowadays because they're probably wise to the fact that Reddit or 4chan will kind of prank it, yes, and like <laughs> mass vote some something silly in
0: this. This did happen with one of these shows where they pushed—I can't remember what it was exactly—but they pushed the audience to pick one person, and they went with somebody else. It oh. might have been with Matt Seidel, maybe I can't remember now. But basically, the audience—they kind of got wise to it and steered away from WWE's direction. So, right. Yeah. I, I think it would be really fun to, to do it again, but do it, but do it like, do it legit, you know, give us like actual choices where
1: completely varied, where everyone can win. Yeah. When you were like, Oh, I want to (laughs) take a kind of relatively simple submission and just kind of try and get as much mileage out of it as I can. Right. With the chicken wing. Did you look to Chris Masters as like a model or like an inspiration on that? Or was it just coincidence or what?
0: Yes. And no, I don't necessarily think I saw that and that gave me the inspiration to do the chicken wing. But I think I use that as a reference as in, Oh, he, someone has shown that you can get a basic move or a basic submission over with the audience. If it's portrayed and protected the right way. Do you know what I mean? Awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. I mean, that you were asking me a few weeks ago, like what examples of, of simple submissions or sorry, simple finishes do you like, or, you know, think work well. And of course the full Nelson, you can't get much more basic than that for masters. And he got it over to the point where, as we discussed with Chris, they're still doing it now with Bobby Lashley. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, that was very nice of Chris to come on the show. Very generous with his time. You know, I said, Chris, can I just borrow you for 10, 20 minutes? And we end up speaking for over an hour. So thank you so much, Chris Masters. Backstage, we see Mick Foley. Later tonight, he has a match with Carlito where the fans get to vote on which persona of Foley they would like to see, whether it be Cactus Jack, Dude Love, or Mankind. He is backstage and he asks someone off camera if he thinks that they got their luggage mixed up whilst he's holding up some lingerie. And then we, we, the camera like steers off, we see Maria and she's wearing a mankind mask. And she's like, Hmm, I think it, I think maybe we have, or something like that. Um, She then um, says, interesting smell. She takes off her top and takes off her tights off, off camera, of course, gives them to Foley and his mask, insinuating that she's naked. She walks off and Foley says, hmm, oh, sorry. She says to Mick, have a nice day. And he says, I think I just did. <sighs>
1: I'm Couldn't guessing. this be the hokiest segment ever recorded?
0: I did a segment with Mick Foley once for being the elite. And maybe that was more hokey than this, but that was deliberately trying oh, to be hokey. Right. <laughs> that was... <laughs> that was in the build-up to my match with Okada at the first All-In. Um, and I refer to myself and Mick Foley as a pair of hardcore legends, which I don't think he found funny. Um, yeah, this, I'm guessing, they would just did this to try and push the audience to vote for Mankind, maybe?
1: I didn't think about that.
0: Maybe. I'm actually
1: kind of shocked that Cactus Jack didn't win. but
0: Mankind was the WWE gimmick, so... We'll get to that anyway, because, yeah, this segment, this was WWE in 2005, I guess, these kind of... What can you say? yeah, Dude, you didn't see segments like this in, like, 1997, but this... 2005, yeah. So that brings us to the next match. It's Eugene and a legend, as voted for by the audience, uh, a legend of their choice, taking on Rob Conway and Tyson Tomko. Mm -hmm. Their fans, they voted for superfly jimmy snooker we're 43 of the vote over jim duggan who got 40 percent of the vote and kamala who got 17 percent of the vote what was disappointing about this this came up and i was just obviously i was watching it and i i might have seen this show when it happened all those years ago but obviously i don't remember it and i was thinking please be anyone but snooker like he he, he looked by far like the how do i say this nicely like He didn't look as well as the other two guys or as in good shape. And I thought, please be Kamala. And if not, please be Duggan. And sure enough, they picked Jimmy Snooker. Um, So that led us to Jimmy Snooker and Eugene defeating Conway and Tyson Tomko in six minutes and 21 seconds of pretty gruelling action. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Of all the things you feel like WWE made a misstep on, I feel like Eugene is probably the worst, right?
0: I I don't think so. I don't know. I mean his character, obviously that wasn't how he was in real life, but then no one's character is like that. I, mean, I think when people ask Eugene about it or Nick Dinsmore as his name is, you know, he says that he he gets a lot of mail and and people telling that he was a massive inspiration for them or people with oh, wow. okay. similar abilities and everything else. So I was personally never really offended by it. And it's you know, wrestling's entertainment, so
1: do you feel like he's a Gilberg ripoff though?
0: No. I, don't. <laughs> I also don't like the, the word really rip-off and like like when I put that um Del Rios, the fake Scott, Scott Steiner,
1: yeah. Real
0: up. I mean, I remember someone said, Oh, well, Steiner was just a ripoff of superstar Billy Graham. I'm like, I don't think he was a rip-off, he was clearly influenced by inspired by, him. by- or inspired heavily, but rip off like Del Rios. He was a rip off of Scott Steiner. That's blatant. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, if it's completely stolen, you know, like how people steal my finger snap, that's a rip off when it's inspired. That's a different thing. But um, yeah, this match, dude, a few things. Rob Conway has an insane mm-hmm. physique. He he does, <laughs> doesn't he? Looks a million bucks. That being said, for whatever reason, there's just always, there's just something missing with Rob Conway. Something big time. Just didn't have that connection. Tyson Tomko. I feel like he should have been a way bigger star than he was. And I think after his WWE run, he actually had a really good run in new Japan and in TNA. And it's a shame he didn't get that run in WWE because he looks like he, here's the thing with a wrestler like him, you know, he's not going to be doing arm drags in the opening match. Like, he looks like a main eventer. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a shame he never got there. Uh, I do remember at the time, the Eugene character actually being quite, quite into it for the first few months or so. Uh, But this match, yeah. Jimmy Snooker, he is 62 here. Oh He looks maybe older. I will say this. He still did a really good super fly splash at the end for the finish. Um, But yeah, this match, it was six minutes, 21 seconds. And to me, it, dragged.
1: Tyson Tomko we've said like Horace Hogan looks like a creator wrestler in the worst possible way. I feel like Tyson Tomko looks like a creator wrestler in the best kind of way in that when we were kids and we wanted to just make this like this guy's like he's got to have all the muscles and all the tattoos. I just feel like his look must be like I would have thought it'd be so marketable. I'm actually surprised he didn't really go anywhere you know. I feel like kids would love him.
0: He did look cool. He he looked really cool but I guess that could only get you so far, I also, mm-hmm. um, uh, so at the end of this match, post-match sort of Tomko shoved snooker into the turnbuckle, which led yeah. to Duggan and Kamala coming out for the save. I've always been a massive Kamala fan. So I wanted him to win, um, this sort of later version of Jim Duggan back in the day, Jim Duggan wore the blue trunks. And yeah. I think after that, he went to a singlet, but this run, cause I think this actually led to Jim Duggan having a, he got employed by WWE again, and he was on the brand for SmackDown, I think for at least a year or two. Mm. But this second run of Jim Duggan, he wears like these blue swim shorts. I always just kind of thought it was really funny. I don't know why he wore them, but (laughs) I guess it worked for him. (laughs) Next up, we have Mick Foley taking on Carlito, where the fans get to vote on what persona Mick Foley is going to wrestle as basically what t-shirt is he going to wear for this <laughs> yeah, match? Right. Um, the, the votes come in. Dude love comes last at 13% cactus Jack at 35%. And the winner is mankind with 52%, which leads to mankind defeating Carlito in seven minutes and 22 seconds. Now I have a few things I want to say about this. First of all, I think there's actually five faces of Foley. Okay, you've got Cactus Jack, Dude Love. You have early mankind, basically the deranged mankind that wore the blue brown, the, sorry, that wore the brown tights, yes, the brown top, everything else that hang out in the boiler room with rats and everything else. Then you've got the mankind which was kind of later on in 1999 that teamed up with The Rock and was basically Mick Foley wearing the Mankind mask, but with the white shirt, the jogging bottoms and a, and a tie and Mr. Socko and everything else.
1: And the then, Have a Nice Day one.
0: Yes. And then number five, just Mick Foley as himself. That's another face of Mick, Mick Foley. So I don't think it's three faces of Foley. To me, it's five faces of Foley. And I was actually kind of annoyed with this because surprisingly they played the deranged mankind's music. And I was like, huh, that's interesting rather than the, the famous kind of car wreck that Mick Foley, mm. that music. But then he comes out and he's wearing the shirt and the the tie and the jogging bottoms. So it's kind of like, huh, this is not really... You're playing the wrong music for this Mankind, I thought, personally. I guess they, in their head, they've like transitioned that Mankind music, the Car Wreck one, into Mick Foley's music. But for Mm -hmm. me, Mm -hmm. it seemed like this was a mashup between the two Mankind personas. Don't know why that bothered me. Maybe it's because I just really liked the Deranged Mankind much more than the Have a Nice Day Mankind. I mean, they were both great, but Yeah. That kind of irked me for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I actually, I can't believe I didn't pick up on that, but that would irk me. It's uh, very astute of you, sir.
0: It seemed like he didn't get as good a reaction because he came out to that old
1: music, right? Mm. Maybe, yeah.
0: That was probably the least reaction I've ever seen from Mick Foley. Do
1: you reckon a lot of the audience maybe didn't really remember that or just were so invested in wanting what they, you know, what they used to, they were like, hang Well, I I don't
0: know. I mean, you said earlier, you surprised Cactus Jack didn't win. I, I was not surprised because, you know, Cactus Jack was, he did stuff in the WWF and obviously famously did that match with Triple H at Royal Rumble 2000. But Mankind was how he came in. Mankind was the one that he did the most in the WWE and it was the WWE's creation and like, his best-selling autobiography, like, it's, like, from mankind, you know? He's at the peak of the Attitude Era, he was mankind. So that I wasn't surprised about. Um, he here, as in Mick Foley, he's 40 years old. I love Mick Foley, but he didn't look in the best of shape here, no. did he?
1: No, he didn't. The juxtaposition of Carlito having to fight Cactus Jack would be kind of funnier, right? in a, in a weird way than
0: mankind. I Jack's Jack's supposed to be like the most sort of vicious side of Mick Foley. Right? Yeah.
1: The most yeah. unhinged.
0: So I would have liked to have seen that personally. Um, I will say this. Carlito should have gone over here. I, I was really actually quite surprised when Foley won this match. I felt like it should, this should have been Carlito's time. I felt like anyway.
1: Yeah, I felt the same. I like both of them. Actually, sorry, I, I don't like Carlito. You know, he's annoying. That's the entire point, but he was great, right? <laughs> yeah. I just want to slap him. Um, but uh, no, I agree. They But Mankind and Carlito isn't exactly kind of like a battle for the ages, is it? This didn't really light me on fire. The The thing that I take away from this most was this was the point in the pay-per-view where I noticed that someone in the crowd has sat and made a sign At home, drove it all the way to the arena and proudly displayed it, and it just says "Taboo Tuesday," (laughs) the name of the paper. So it's kind of—I must have been kind of checked out to kind of notice that, but it was kind of funny.
0: Dude, I was in Mexico a little while back, and I was in a six-man tag against Carlito, and they wanted me to beat Carlito in the match. And the finish I came up with was, I think, one of the best finishes I wanted. Carlito to bite the apple go to spit it in my face but as he spits it I open up the umbrella so it doesn't get me the referee moves the umbrella he comes towards me like as the referee is taking the umbrella out of the way I low blow Carlito and small package him and Carlito loved the finish and I was like this is going to be sick guess why we didn't do it
1: you, I don't know you weren't allowed an umbrella on the plane for terrorist reasons
0: no so, uh, Carlito didn't have an apple with him
1: <laughs> I was like Carly, it's kind this of your, your whole, thing
0: guys this is your whole <laughs> gimmick like you didn't bring an apple so he was like we'll save it for next time we'll save it for next time now I think he's employed by WWE again So
1: I, I hope Carlito carries one of those uh, man bags around his chest <laughs> like Chris does now but just with apples in it just full of apples how can Carlito of all people forget to bring an apple I don't know. My God. I don't know. Do you feel like he looks better now? Like he looks in really good shape now, doesn't he? Man? He's
0: he's definitely a body guy now. He looks amazing. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Next up, Eric Bischoff was in the office complaining on his cell phone about Teddy Long. Vince McMahon shows up, and Bischoff is sucking up to him. Hmm. McMahon said he's ready for the Raw versus SmackDown match. McMahon wasn't able to watch it and he asked if Bischoff if Raw had lost. And then Bischoff admitted that they did. And Vince ripped on him since this is a raw pay-per-view. Bischoff complained that Teddy Long had cheated. McMahon said he was disappointed in Eric Bischoff. and McMahon said this isn't the same Eric Bischoff that damn near put him out of business. Vince says he hates excuses. So he asked Eric what he's going to do about it. Bischoff asked Vince what he'll do. Vince said he's not going to do a damn thing and he told Eric he's on his own. Vince asked him to for his creative and killer instinct. Vince wished him luck in the next Raw vs SmackDown match, which is Batista representing SmackDown and the coach representing Raw, and Vince left. So, this show, there's a few backstage segments, but it's not overly heavy like a lot of other WWE WDB- yeah. pay-per-views we've watched. Eric Bischoff, to me, is so underrated as a as an on-screen persona. People were given credit for coming up with the NWO, beating WWE in the ratings, but as, as an actual performer, especially during his WWE run, I thought he was such a great performer. Considering he's not a wrestler or an actor or anything else, he worked in the office of WCW to be that good of an on-screen personality. I think, yeah, Bischoff is one of the best.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I just love it when they're together, him and Vince, when they do things like this. It's just great to watch. I think on our Invasion episode, you, you mentioned that when Vince bought out the WCW, he wanted to keep Eric around in a purely like on-screen role because he liked what he had so much. Is that right? Uh, well, I, I believe I so, why. yeah. Yeah
0: yeah yeah i think they've always he's obviously got respect for bischoff because of what bischoff did even though i'm sure during the monday night wars he hated bischoff but yeah i just i just feel like people don't talk about bischoff as a performer enough and i will say this he does a, he does a great podcast with um with friend of the show comrade and he i does, do yeah. quite often uh if i'm struggling this sounds bad but this i actually mean this is a compliment I will often put my AirPods in and listen to Bischoff's podcast when I'm trying to get to sleep. And I think that always sounds like a knock when people say that, like, oh, it, it puts me to sleep. But why is that such a negative thing? I think that's kind of a, a positive thing, is it not? That something could, like, going to sleep is nice. So why do people always say that in a kind of, you know, talk about it in a way where it's a bad thing? I think that's a compliment, in my opinion.
1: <laughs> I do as well, because it's not up to like us, for example, it's not up to us how people enjoy our content, right? We can't right. say, no, you have to actively listen to us. As <laughs> long as they get enjoyment out of it, then it doesn't matter. And there's lots of things that people, there's TV shows that people put on to go to sleep. For me, oddly, it's the X-Files, yeah. but, you know, we all have our thing. And I think that's a very, if if somebody said to me, I oh, hey, you're, you know, I, I listen to your podcast to get to sleep. I'd take that as a massive compliment.
0: Oh, 100%. They, they
1: love at uh, the soothing sounds of our beautiful voices.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, next, we're going to see the three choices for the third man in the main event tonight, which is a world championship match between John Cena and Kurt Angle. And the third place is up for grabs. The choices are Shawn Michaels, Kane, and Big Show. And basically, the two runners up will get a tag team championship match next. So, Big Show comes in with 16%, Kane with 38%, and Shawn Michaels with 46%. So, no real surprises there. Um, if anything, I mean, Kane had 38%, Shawn Michaels with 46 It was closer than they probably were hoping, because clearly they obviously... They wanted it to be Shawn Very Michaels. Sure. I think they even had Shawn Michaels win a freeway match with Big Show and Kane on Raw like a week or two before this. And they were clearly setting up for Michaels, but Kane was in there with a close second. So, yeah. And I guess the reason why they did this reveal earlier was to get well, it's because they got the tag team championship match up next. So, and also, I guess it also gave the guys more time to plan a world championship match on pay per view even though they all probably knew it was going to be Shawn Michaels in the first place. So that leads to our next match where Kane and the big show defeat Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch to win the world tag team championships in seven minutes and 59 seconds. Sam, can you think of any more two wrestlers than the big show and Kane that have had more, face and heel turns than the two of them
1: i was thinking of that actually while i was watching that match it's interesting because, that, you brought that up especially well, big show because i just sorry go on
0: well because i was watching this and i was at first i thought they, they were heels and then i realized oh no they're baby faces but they've changed so much it's so hard to tell what they would be at any one point
1: point. and also a lot of people when they change they sometimes change their um outfit as well well these two don't like whether they're face or hill, the they just they always look kind of look the same and yeah so it was interesting but the only way you could really tell is by looking at who they're against does that make sense
0: also both kane and big show because they both have been around for so long have had so many different tag team partners it's kind of funny that they found themselves or well, they found each other should i say Kane's tag team partners, right? Kane is like the ultimate tag team whore. He's had so the many other guy. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's had so many partners. These are tag team partners of Kane, that I think he won the tag team championships with. Okay.
1: Get, make one up and I'll try and point out
0: the one that's not true. Oh, now you put me on the spot.
1: Um, I like your game with Chris and I didn't get to play. Okay.
0: Okay. So we've got mankind, the hurricane, Big show test Rob Van Dam, X Pac, Daniel Bryan, and The Undertaker.
1: Okay, I know The Undertaker, Daniel Bryan mm-hmm. are real. Um, <laughs> as in, I know they're real people, but I mean, that actually happened. <laughs> uh, who else? X Pac, I don't think I've seen that, but that I know there's something about him because I saw the green cane, so I wonder if there was some hint there, but that actually may be what you're throwing me off with. I'm going to go for x absolutely
0: wrong. <laughs> you're absolutely wrong. Kane and x was like my favorite tag team. Oh, damn it. They were a great tag team. We've got to watch some baby views of Kane and X-Pac. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with that. The, uh, the one I was lying about was Test. He was never a tag team okay. champion. Test. But there is, what, there's seven different tag team partners there that he was tag team champions with. So, yeah. And then here, he wins them again with the big show. Uh, we've got another appearance from Trevor Murdoch, who, what, what was his mm-hmm. name? in
1: Bo- the dups up. bowed up. Yeah.
0: Stand up. <laughs> He's obviously progressed a little bit since then. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like the third tag team match on the show. Pretty much kind of in a row. I was at this point, I was kind of like, I'm just not interested. I get that Kane and undertake, sorry, Kane and big show, obviously great wrestlers, but I just had no real interest in this. Lance Cade, no. Dude, Lance Cade, He seemed like he had all the promise in the world and obviously it didn't work out for him. which just a shame because I felt like he had a really good look and everything else. And unfortunately he ended up passing away when he was 29 years old, which just, this really is a, a tragedy. So um, I'm not going to sit here and pick apart their work or anything else. I
1: never knew that. I thought that was Oh, he, I'm confused. Oh, he was Garrison Cade.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was Lance Cade. He was uh, predominantly known as, but yeah. Okay. died. At,
1: I know Garrison, I was, okay.
0: Died at 29 years old, so it's a real shame. That's oof. Um, the highlight of this was Kane coming out to the Finger 11 entrance music, which I used to love at the time. I remember downloading that and rocking out to it. <laughs> that was that's got to be the best Kane entrance
1: music, for sure. Yeah, you you, you love like you you got blueboard with the Mankind one. <laughs> You're absolutely pumped with this one.
0: Entrance music is so important. That's yes, it's so important, and I think that's been a big reason for my successes. I just have a great entrance music that people love. That's a big deal when these other wrestling companies, I remember, I mean, TNA had some good ones, but for the most part, not the best at music and WCW also didn't have the best music. And I feel like it really hurts the product. You know what I mean? Like the music is one of the most important things. So I was happy to hear finger 11 and I'm assuming Sam, you're going to be happy because the next segment is Vader and gold dust in the locker room with Jonathan Coachman. turn into Sean
1: Connery for a second.
0: (laughs) Sorry. Also known as the coach as he's getting ready for his match with Batista from SmackDown. What? I was a little confused here. Was the coach supposed to look like The Rock? The Rock? Or was it just coincidence?
1: He'll be another one of our Dollar Tree (laughs) figures, right? He was a Dollar Tree (laughs) Rock figure.
0: (laughs) Um we will get into that match, but just before the coachman Batista match, they show the vote for the women's battle Royal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to have a woman's battle Royal and the fans get to vote on the women's outfits for the match.
1: And I know exactly <laughs> what you're going to say.
0: <laughs> so coming in last 25% was cheerleader outfit. 32% is leather and lace and the winning outfit for the women's battle Royal lingerie. So we're going to see a lingerie battle Royal dude. We've been doing this show 12 weeks, and this is twice the topic that lingerie battle Royal has come up from two different wrestling companies. companies. Yeah. And dude, you just forget when you go back and watch older wrestling. I, It's one of the things where I like, I like classic wrestling. And it was better back then. And you watch it back and there are things that you think, Oh, actually no wrestling is better now in certain parts. And I feel, I don't know. I feel bad. Like Mickey James, obviously I know really well. And she's, I guess I'm jumping ahead of myself. I've got to get to the coach for match, but like, I don't know, just the idea that we're voting on the women's outfits. And it's not like, it's not like, Oh, I want to see them in Halloween costumes. It's like, Laundry is gonna win. Laundry, of course, Laundry was gonna win this. do You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're doing a Laundry Battle Royal.
1: Yeah, and I know what you're gonna say. It's like when it's a match involving the men, it's what stipulation is it, or who's the opponent gonna be, and when it's the woman, it's what sexy fantasy bedroom outfit they gonna wear. And that wasn't lost to me. Like that's that really kind of hit it home. I was like, oh damn, actually, there's yeah, that would just never ever happen today. And I think that's fair enough that it wouldn't.
0: Well, I think it can happen, but like it's not in wrestling. Do you know what I mean? Like, do that for your OnlyFans or something.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I bet wrestling. Or how about this? You do it for the men as well. <laughs> so, next, Kane, it's not, it's not, is it going to be Kane versus Big Show? It's going to be, is Kane and Big Show, are they going to wear lingerie? Uh, what were the other two options?
0: Lever and lace and cheerleader.
1: Oh, cheerleader. I'd vote. What would you vote for Kane and Big Show?
0: I wouldn't watch it either way. I don't want to watch Kane wrestle Big Show.
1: Oh, yeah, true. You're not even worried about what they're wearing. You just think it's the two big guys. It's going to be, that's just going to be a drag. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of drag, that leads us to our next match where (laughs) the next match is going to be Batista taking on the coach, Jonathan Coachman. And now originally this was supposed to be the coach versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I guess for whatever reason, Stone Cold Steve Austin refused, even though they'd already been promoting it. And I think he was probably right to refuse because also he's been retired for a good couple of years at this point. I'm sure if he wants to come out of retirement, it's probably not to have a match with Coachman. But the votes come in on what type of fight the Batista versus the coach will be. Last came arm wrestling with 3%. Second came... Debates with 6% and the winner obviously with 91% a street fight. So it was just, again, like who's going to vote for a debate or an arm wrestling match over a street fight? Just kind of ludicrous. The crazy thing about this, I completely forgot that Vader and Goldust were here. What is Vader doing in the WWE in 2005.
1: This is, this is so bizarre. And his entrance video still is like from when he was back. It just like the quality and the effects that they could pull off were just straight back from when he was in his prime, just copied it wholesale into now, into 2005. So so for
0: people that don't remember, I guess Vader and Goldust are, they're on the side of the coach. Jonathan Coachman at this point was a heel. The coach Jonathan Coachman might have the worst entrance music any wrestler has ever had in WWE. <laughs> so bad, so bad. I'll put it's
1: deliberate or by mistake. Hundred percent deliberate, right?
0: Hundred percent. He's an annoying heel character. Yeah. They gave him annoying heel entrance yeah. music, just unbearable. But anyway, um, of course. Well, I guess not necessarily of course because. Coachman did have Vader and Goldust. It essentially is a handicap match. Batista at the time is the SmackDown world champion. Batista beats coach in four minutes and 22 seconds. This was pretty damn, pretty damn awful. I'm a massive Vader mark, but Vader from his prime. He's 50 years old here, but he just, he doesn't look in a great way. Even your boy Goldust doesn't look too good oh, here this yeah. was he's in like 10 times better shape now um so yeah this just seemed so out of left field so random i just didn't understand why ed brought in vader and Goldus <laughs> to be with the coach it was so odd i don't know i'd love to know the backstory of this i i need to find someone that worked in creative at the time and work out what, what was going on
1: yeah
0: Next up, we have, as I mentioned, the women's yep. lingerie battle royal. Um, you know, this the, called, fulfill
1: it's, your, the Fulfill Your Fantasy battle royal. Yes, yes.
0: Um, <laughs> obviously, lingerie won. There's only six divas in this battle royal, so a small battle royal. We have Mickey James, Victoria, Ashley, Candice Michelle, and Maria. Oh, and of course, Tris Stratus, who, yeah. She wins the thing five minutes, 23 seconds. There's nothing to say about this other than it came down to the free workers, which was a good idea. Mickey, Victoria and Trish. That was obviously smart. Um, the, the finish Mickey sacrifices herself by eliminating herself and Victoria at the same time. So Trish can win. This was actually Mickey's first pay-per-view appearance and, she debuted not long before this pay-per-view with the storyline being that she was an obsessive fan of Trish Stratus, which turned ugly and she became a stalker, which led to that kind of famous WrestleMania match between Trish and Mickey. But yeah, after the match, they go to interview Trish Stratus and Mickey takes the microphone and just starts saying about how Trish is so amazing and she can't believe she stood near the Trish Stratus and you can see Trish getting really frustrated with her and we're setting in the seeds for this. Oh, I think this woman is crazy and I think she likes Trisha a a little too much. That was without doubt the highlight of this whole segment. And I think that stalker storyline was just so perfect because I mean, look at Trish Stratus. You can, you can totally see this being, Real life, huh? Real,
1: Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And actually, when at the end of the match when she was being interviewed and Mickey just kept interjecting and just gushing about how Trish Stratus is great. Every time Victoria and Trish Stratus are on an episode, I gush over I seem to gush over them. When I was watching it, I was like oh my god, I'm Mickey James. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I actually didn't mind this. I know it was whatever you want to say about it. I actually kind of enjoyed it. I noticed um, it was a battle royale and mickey and victoria went out through the middle rope or under the middle rope and i was like hang on a minute but i didn't want another steamboat incident so then i looked up the official rules for wwe and in a women's battle royal or royal rumble they can be eliminated not just over the top rope but through the middle and bottom ones as well they say that interestingly yeah and well i must have missed that but interestingly those rules came about for women's royal rumbles as well Way before the first women's Royal Rumble, which is 2018.
0: I don't think that is the rules for the women's Royal Rumble now. In fact, it's not. They they have to go over the top rope. They changed it,
1: did they?
2: Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. When they when they used to do these women battle royals, they could go through the ropes. But I think since they started the women's Royal Rumble, it's always been over the top rope. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, so that brings us to our intercontinental championship match triple H in an intercontinental championship match in 2005. Hmm. What could the story be here? Well, he's taken on the IC champion, Rick Flair. I want to say maybe a month before this or a few months before this triple H had returned to the WWE and he turned his back on Rick Flair, hit him with a sledgehammer, essentially ending evolution. And why would he do that? I thought he loved Ric Flair. Well, he thought that Ric Flair was tarnishing his legacy and was not the Ric Flair that he grew up idolizing. So because of that, he had to attack him with a sledgehammer. Could have just had a polite word with him, you know. Could have just said, Hey Rick, you you may want to, you know.
1: Think about hanging out the old boots, maybe hanging up that's some yeah. that's the term I was looking for.
0: Wanna hang up the boots? But no, he twatted him with a sledgehammer. <laughs> um, so we've already spoke about this, but the fans get the votes. This one is probably the most egregious one. The choice between for the IC championship match between Triple H and Flair, it's either one full to a finish, submission match or steel cage. Of course, one full to a finish, four percent. Who voted for that? I do not know.
1: In fact, that was me. I voted for one full to a finish. <laughs> yeah, I actually thought when I saw submission actually, I was like, "What fool?" <laughs> would ever vote for a submission match? And then I remembered your top five gimmick matches from last week. I was like, "Oh, okay, that's a mystery solved."
0: Well, no, if you think about it, actually, so submission match got thirteen percent, but from a kayfabe sort of standpoint, that kind of makes sense. I'm surprised he didn't get more because Ric Flair's the babyface, Triple H's the heel. If you're yeah. watching and you really want to see Ric Flair win, you'd maybe think he'd have a better chance in a submission match because of the figure four leg lock.
1: That's the type of insight that you think of where, like after you say it, it's frigging obvious. <laughs> yeah. I never thought about that.
0: Whereas Triple H doesn't have a signature submission. So right.
1: Yeah. No, very but at the
0: same time, you might also think, well, Flair has a better chance of escaping a cage than he does pinning or submitting Triple H maybe. So you could argue that as well. Um so this match, 23 minutes and 47 seconds. It's a long one. And yeah. shockingly, Ric Flair comes out victorious by escaping the cage. This match, of course, they both love they both love to get colour. They're both they've both gigged both really, really well. They've got a lot of blood coming out of them. This was very much. Reminiscent of Flair in 83. Clearly, yeah, I know. Flair, clearly Triple H, he's been a lifelong fan of Triple H. Sorry, of Ric Flair. You could just tell that he just wanted to have this sort of style of match with Ric Flair, where they go at it, they do a long match, they're both gig, they're both bleeding everywhere, training chops and Flair being Flair. Um, mm-hmm. This match so far was probably the best match on the show it was it's pretty remarkable to see rick flair wrestling at this sort of standard for this long at the age of 56 years old here it's pretty incredible and also wild to think that yeah he's 56 years old here and he's he only had his last match like what a year or two ago yeah,
1: and here he's still got it still really captivating
0: he is he is but like here it's like he's I mean, he's 56, but like they're they're showing him as like old. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he still wrestled. But um, no, this was enjoyable. I I love Triple H. I love Ric Flair. Not the biggest fan of steel cage matches, but this one I enjoyed because it wasn't like now you see steel cage matches and people are bringing in tables in the ring and kendo sticks, and I'm like, this just defeats the 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 purpose of the cage match. Do you know what I right. mean? They told Definitely, a really yeah. they told a really really good story. Surprised to see Triple H put Rick Flair over, but it's what the audience wanted to see. Triple H here, so he's always been in just phenomenal shape. We always know Triple H is a body guy. Here, he's not in the greatest shape. And I don't know if it's because he came out like came back from an injury or something, but he's not in the, the greatest physical condition that we're kind of used to seeing Triple H here. I said Flair was 56. Triple H here is only 36. And he looked. He's got the Lemmy um, beard, yeah, the,
1: mm-hmm. he,
0: which I thought looked terrible. Looks
1: goofy, yeah, I can't stand it. I
0: got, yeah. Any time like there was also a point in like 2003 during the Triple H reign of terror where he shaved his face completely and he had no beard and he just didn't look right. And here with that, he has
1: to have the whole.
0: Yeah, he needs the beard. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it really make <laughs> it really just completes it. Yeah, so the final piece of the puzzle. I really like this i love like triple h's disrespect at like all turns you know uh slapping him slapping flair using his moves like copying his taunts and his walks and the woos and just mocking him at you know i I just loved all of that stuff it's just really really good i i love a cage match as you know yeah i really i really enjoy this match what is the referee's name i didn't know i didn't because I'm oh. pretty sure Joey Styles said referee Mickey James with the two count.
0: Mm, well, it wasn't Mickey James, but. No, I
1: know, but there's a there's a referee that's also coincidentally called Mickey James? No. Don't you find that weird? There isn't, no. But he's, okay. He His said name's, Mickey James. He, well, maybe he got it wrong. What's the guy's name? We'll have to figure it out. I don't know. Out.
0: I can't remember who was refereeing.
1: All right. Who, if you're listening, go back watch that match. Joey <laughs> Stiles, pretty sure he says referee Mickey James. Anyways, I've got to ask you: What's the point of a cage match if the officials just open the door?
0: Well, you're allowed to escape the cage. Well, that's that's how you win the match by escaping the cage.
1: Yeah, but you, you yeah, but you can climb over it. What is the what do you need to do to get them to open the door? Nothing. So you mm-hmm. can just have them open the door from the start and just run out.
0: Well, yes that that is that. I wanted to do this at Ring of Honor when I was a booker. I wanted to book a cage match and two guys in the ring, the bell rings, and they both just run to the cage and climb over and jump down and see who jumps down first. I think mean, like, cause that's what would happen in a shoot. Do you yeah. Know what I mean? <laughs> but
1: that's, that's climbing over the cage, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand how a door can be open. Then what's the point in the cage at all? Well, you still got to the door is it. open at all times. Yeah, you've still got to get but, out of it. But there's no challenge in walking through a door. There is challenge in climbing over a cage. There's no obstacle.
0: Yeah. I don't think traditionally cage matches didn't have a door. I think that's something right. that the WWE implemented. And yeah, I didn't, I don't know. It, I, I don't, I never really thought about it like, like that, where I didn't like it. I think it's fine. Cause you still got to beat up your opponent enough to, get out the door it does make for a lot of good sort of dramatic moments where you know wrestlers are trying to reach out to get through the door and their their opponents stopping them i don't dislike it personally
1: i do dislike it Mm -hmm. and we'll just have to leave that
0: i dislike i dislike more pinfalls in cage matches
1: oh i feel like you have to escape right I wish it was always over the top yeah what's the point of a pinfall what's the point of a pinfall? I feel like when a cage
0: ends in a pinfall, you're kind of like, well, what's the, what's the point, you know? (laughs) Um, But overall, really good. Flair wins with these, like, I want to say three chair shots to the head. Triple H kind of gets his hands up, but I'm not a big fan, of course, of, of chair shots, but this was done in the right context. If you're going to do them, do them as a finish. And they sold them really, really well where, Triple H looked like he was dead from the free chair shots from from Flair. It was they, really dramatic. And I, I like the idea that the only way this fifty six year old man could beat the game is by resorting to to steel chair shots to the tactics. head. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I actually thought it was a really good finish.
1: I agree. I just Googled the referee was called Mickey J A Y, J-A-Y, and mm. unfortunately, he passed away last year.
0: Oh, that's a shame
1: yeah that mickey rings a j, bell now. J-A-Y. yeah mickey j henson or oh, mickey henson okay that rings
0: a bell okay um but yeah so far for me i mean dude it's triple h and rick flair i mean
1: yeah you're gonna get entertainment
0: right i remember so flair came back to the WWE in what 2002 and then he ends up having the match with is it vince he has a match with first Or he has the the match with Undertaker at WrestleMania. And before long, he ends up basically being a full-time wrestler. Yeah. And I know, I remember going to a house show during maybe 2003 or 2004, maybe even two, yeah, probably 2004. And just because Flair had been wrestling and been doing the chops and the whole crowd woos. And then I noticed on this house show, like every wrestler on the show was doing chops And you notice it quite a lot on this show as well. But Flair had that influence where clearly he was doing the chops. The crowd love it. They love going, woo. And just at one point, like the whole roster was doing chops whilst the crowd go, woo. So clearly that was his influence on the, uh, on the roster kind of reminds me of like when Kurt Angle started doing overhead belly to betty suplexes. And then everyone was doing overhead betty to betty suplexes. But with the chops, I remember sort of Stone Cold Steve Austin in his last year, him doing loads of chops. And, and to I don't me, remember it, that. Yeah, and it didn't really yeah. suit Steve Austin whatsoever. It, I didn't feel yeah. you know him yeah. doing chops. But I guess because of Blair's influence, everyone just thought, "Oh, we'll start doing chops now."
1: <laughs> That's pretty funny. I actually never knew Stone Cold did that.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm pretty it sure that
1: it just doesn't because I've never seen it. You're mm-hmm. saying it. it just doesn't seem right. Like it doesn't said, seem it doesn't, right. Yeah,
0: it doesn't. You want to see those shitty Steve Austin punches, the ground and pounds. Oh yeah, of course you do. yeah. Or <laughs> the stomps in the corner. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, gonna... so it's time for the main event. The WWE Championship. Triple fret match. WWE Champion John Cena defeats Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle in mm-hmm. 16 minutes and 42 seconds. I have a feeling that flair and triple H went over because I'm surprised that the IC title match got, let me try and do my math like six or seven minutes longer than the world championship match. Hmm. that seems like maybe they went over their time. Of course it's flair and it's triple H who's basically the boss. They're going to do whatever they want. But um, yes, as we mentioned earlier, Michael's won the vote over both Kane and the big show. This was a really, really good match, as you would expect. Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, two of the absolute greatest of all time. John Cena, he is also great, but this is 2005, so he's not quite the John Cena he would become, but he still holds his own for this match. Um, Yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. This was... Honestly, as you can probably tell from my review so far, this show, match-wise, was kind of whatever. The Flair and Triple H match picked it up, as to be expected. And this match, actually, I thought was phenomenal. And I actually thinking about watching this match again, because I actually really, really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've got three very American men giving (laughs) us... Right, Kurt Angle with Shawn Michaels and John Cena, right? Three very American men giving us some like good, honest, clean American wrestling, and I was like, I bet Marty loves this. I was thinking that, and I actually wrote down, I bet that this is, I, I bet that this is your match of the night. I've got that written down. You can tell us at the end, but I just, I just know where it is. It has to be. Uh super good. Really like this.
0: Question, Sam. Mm. So this was Shawn Michaels' second run, which you know, he came back after he had the back, the career ending back injury, which took him out from 98 to 2002. And a lot of people suggest that his second run was better than his first run. Also, actually, before I give you my question, there's a theory about Shawn Michaels back injury. So in his first run, a lot of people, sort of accused Shawn Michaels of faking injuries because, you know, to miss shows or to not drop a world championship or a championship belt and everything else. And Shawn Michaels obviously had that back injury in 1998. I saw a theory or heard a theory that Shawn Michaels basically pretended or even said that his back injury was worse than it was in 1998 because he saw that Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to be the top guy and Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to surpass him. So he's like, screw this. I'm going home. And I I know at the time as well, he was really struggling with his sort of personal demons and substance abuse. And he went home and basically WD paid him the whole entire time to, to essentially not go to WCW. WCW ends in
1: 2001.
0: Yeah. When does Shawn Michaels come back? 2002. Yeah. So they were paying him to not go to WCW. But then when WCW is gone, all of a sudden he comes back. Hmm. There could be some kind of truth to all of that. What do you think, Sam?
1: I love a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> I don't know who's conspiring here, but well, yeah, it sounds plausible. Go on.
0: Well, how could he have like a career-ending back injury and then just all of a sudden come back and he's great and better than so, ever?
1: I mean, I I know there's a lot of career-ending injuries where people come back. Not necessarily better than ever, but I think Daniel Bryan had one. I think Paige is yeah. recent, still now, is she?
0: Yeah, Edge, Christian, both Edge, of them. Yeah,
1: so, so it's not unheard of, right? In fact, it's mm-hmm. very heard of. But yeah, they... Hmm, but shot. Ah, okay, this is a two part question. The first one is I actually don't think he's better in his second run, but this is, I've been put on the spot. And all I can think of right now is the Razor Ramon ladder match. Was that WrestleMania 10?
0: Yeah, they had one then. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: How awesome that was. And his second run, that really crappy second run of DX. So maybe that's Ugh. just tarnishing my. Like, <laughs> yeah. But so I'm going to have to really think about it. But- dude, you,
0: you got to watch that uh, Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle match from WrestleMania. I forget which WrestleMania. We should review it. But, dude, I mean, I don't think Kurt Angle, everyone knows is amazing, but yeah. I still don't think he gets enough credit for just how incredibly good a pro wrestler he was. But that match, yeah, you, you should go out your way to watch. And of course, people love the Shawn Michaels matches with Undertaker, you know, those I think the oh, yeah. Shawn Michaels last few matches. So, but the question I actually wanted to ask you was not which run did you like more, the first or second run? Even though that is a good question, my question, of course, it refers to wrestling gear, which I always oh, pick up go. on. Do you prefer Shawn Michaels in the the tights or the long boys or the baggy boys, Should I call them, the baggy plevers he's wearing here, or the original? Tights. I think I know your answer, but I'm well, interested. I like
1: the origin I like the originals, right? Mm. Lovely. The the white with the red hearts, I think, is uh yeah, it was white with the red hearts, right? I mean That's he had he that, had all he had all yeah, different type pref- of colours. I Originally, prefer that. But if if the question's more broad to what outfits were better in his first or second run. Don't forget his second run includes elimination chain, that elimination Chamber. <laughs> which, where he had just like the worst outfit and the worst hair of all time.
0: Well, no, he he actually, he, what's even worse than his um, brown tights, elimination chamber? Did you see? I think I've asked you this question already, and I think I know the answer, but I'll ask you again. Did you see Shawn Michaels? He came out of retirement again his last match for Saudi Arabia, him and Triple H against Undertaker and Kane in Saudi. Dude, you've seen it. Yeah. We've got to review that one day. I mean, there's no point because everyone knows that's just dude, like someone like Shawn Michaels, one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time. Triple H, one of the greatest of all time. Undertaker, one of the greatest of all time. Kane, great and very iconic and a great wrestler dude, that tag team match, a basic tag team match. You think when you get to that status, no matter how old you are, it should be so easy. You know, they DX could just do the socket and the crowd's going to go nuts. You know what I mean? They All they got to do is their trademark stuff very easily, very simply. And somehow that match just completely, completely fell apart. And it's just like, damn, Sure, Michael's he wouldn't come out of retirement to wrestle Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan or whatever but he came back for this Saudi match and it was just absolutely I terrible. And Sean looked terrible with the shaved he head.
1: Looked, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it could possibly be so bad with such like a veteran like multi veteran caliber of uh, particip- participants. I mean Chris just said, right, that back in 2005 Sean just like knew how to like, you know, he's like, he was so comfortable it's in the his best. Own abilities. Yeah. And that's back in 2005. You can only assume because this second run was good that he could just learn and experience even more. And then it just culminates and his one song is just, just shambolic.
0: Dude. Like that's probably the most talent in a match for the worst match. How do I Just like that?
1: that golf. Yeah. Yeah. No, like the, the, the gap there, the golf, like, <laughs> The, the talent to just shambolic rating is just, it <laughs> breaks all the machines that can measure such a thing. Yeah. It it does.
0: Was, well, also it's probably the the most highly highest paid worst match ever. <laughs> the rumors were that sure. Michael's got paid something like $3 million or maybe more for that match. So it makes sense why he would be like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'll
1: do it. I've retired, yeah. but
0: dude, if someone offers Think you three, of Three million dollars to do a tag match—you're gonna do it, right? Oh, 100 percent. I do. Right.
1: There's nothing I wouldn't do for three million
0: dollars. <laughs> if they asked you to wrestle in Saudi Arabia, you'd be there, right?
1: Of course, yeah.
0: <laughs> By this point, you must know how to work a little bit now, Sam. After all this wrestling, I've made you watch.
1: Yeah, all the wrestling you've made me watch, and uh, your insight and the insight of our guests—I reckon I'm, pre- I'm. I reckon I'm better than I could put on a better show than that.
0: <laughs> could you could you put on, could you do a better TKO than the the TKO we saw for Mark Marrow on episode one?
1: I think my mum could. <laughs> it was yeah. Um, oh
0: man! But we should probably get you get back to the match. Um, yeah, but yeah. I uh, me personally, awesome match. I, I I again love love Shawn Michaels. Love Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is still underrated here. This is two thousand and five. This is. He's not in the WWE much longer till he goes to TNA. I always used to think it was cool. I'm going back to gear again when Kurt Angle would wear like the black leotards. I oh, was huh?
1: thinking that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And um, yeah, he's just a machine. And I think at the time he was having his sort of problems with his substance abuse. So it's even more incredible that he could go out there and just be an absolute yeah, machine. Yeah. I would have known it. Yeah. No, no. And- but um, John Cena holds his own and just, yeah, just mm-hmm. great piece of business. gone
1: another final match banger with Cena in two weeks in a row which is pretty cool wow yeah I, I just I we will always I think we will always agree that Kurt Angle is like underrated
0: well so I just you. think I just think when people are asked who's the best wrestler of all time people will say Kurt Angle is one of the best wrestlers of all time but when people are asked who's the best wrestler of all time they won't say Kurt
1: Angle. Does that make sense? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Would you say Kurt Angle? I still don't think I would. But see, I,
0: I wouldn't because I'd say Brett, but I'd say Kurt,
1: Eddie, but
0: or Eddie, I'd say Brett or Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's an argument for everyone, but it just seems yeah, true, like true. It, it never seems like people are brave enough to put Kurt Angle as the as the number I one. I agree. I think S that's for exactly single
1: I feel like we should at least give a appreciation post and IG eventually. On the well, game, it's right? not that the, will
0: come. The idea of the appreciation post, though, is supposed to be to people that maybe don't get enough appreciation, which I just said actually. Doesn't That's just underrated.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Definition.
0: Cut people, I'd be but like, yeah, cut no, angle no, appreciation yeah. post, And everyone's going to be like, yeah, yeah, we already appreciate it, Marty. What are you doing? <laughs> um, and uh, like you said, two weeks in a row, John Cena having a banger. Yeah. And obviously the narrative on Cena for all those years was you can't wrestle. And it's like, pretty sure you guys got yeah. that wrong. You got that wrong.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I noticed in this match, and I'm not calling you out. I just want to understand the distinction between like your criticism of like ladder or money in the back, money in the bank ladder matches from last week. Uh-huh. And what happened here when Cena was just say like, out of the ring for an extended period of time. Uh, which would way outlast the impact of whatever put him out there until he was needed. You know, it was Kurt and it was Shawn Michaels for a good amount of time until Cena was needed. Then he ran in, right? And that was one of your criticisms of these money, these multi, you know, this money in the bank ladder match and stuff. And I was just wondering, isn't this just a thing for multi-competitor matches generally, like a staple of multi-competitor matches generally and not really a ladder or money in the bank ladder match specific issue?
0: So is the difference here? They actually make a massive story about it. They turn it into a story. They even had a promo earlier in the, in the show where Kurt Angle proposes to Shawn Michaels, Hey, let's take John Cena out. So then during the match, they end up working together and they both beat up John Cena big time. They're both on top of him, both punching John Cena. They're really doing a number on, 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 John, they throw him in the post. They take him in the outside. They smash him into the steel uh, steps. They double team to put him through the announcers table and he's getting double teamed by two of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And they really put a number on him. And the idea is that they're going to put him out so they can just go at it one-on-one and find out who the better man is. So that they did it really, really well. And they did it to the point where, we didn't even know if John Cena could return. They did a great job. Whereas, uh, when you see another you know, multi-man matches, someone would take a flying head scissors, feet to the floor, and be waiting for three minutes. Do you know what I mean to their spot? So, so,
1: so it was earned.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, right, hundred okay. percent. And also, what I really liked about this match is is that was the only real point in the match where they had someone out of the ring. They did so much of the match with all three guys in the ring and the finish was phenomenal. I think it was Kurt Angle had the ankle lock on John Cena. Shawn Michaels broke it up by giving Angle the elbow drop off the top. He then dialed it up and gave Kurt Angle the super kick and then came straight into the John Cena attitude adjustment FU for the finish. It was just a really, really well done finish. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, It's just, these are pros. They, they know what they're doing. <laughs> so I guess right. for me, that answers my question. Uh, well, your question that you're probably going to ask me my favorite match of the show. No surprise. The uh, WWE championship freeway match, triple fret, my least favorite match of the night. Um, hmm. So I was going to say the lingerie battle Royal, but Mickey's in it and I love Mickey. So I'm not going to say that then i was going to say batista versus coach because it was just awful but at the same time it was so awful it was entertaining at the yeah. same time um uh honest uh, yeah for me it's uh jimmy snooker and eugene versus rob conway and tyson tomco i just had no interest in that actually <laughs> that's pretty much tied with big and kane against murdoch and cade and honestly I didn't enjoy Mankind against Carlito either. So yeah. <laughs> quite a few stinkers.
1: Yeah. The Okay. So the first match with our beautiful boy, Chris, was mm-hmm. pretty good. Then there was just like a lot of dreck in the middle yeah. or bags in the middle. And then the end, and then just kind of crescendo. did just like really good. Mm-hmm. So overall, that's a mixed bag, like the definition of a mixed bag. Yes. My favorite match of the night was... I I can completely understand why someone would say the final match with John Cena, Shawn Michaels, and Kurt Angle, and I can completely understand why you did because I actually think it's the better match of the two. But for me, the Triple H and the um, Ric Flair one, I just felt more. You know, like it made me feel more. So that's for me. That was my one. Although the only thing I thought it was a little bit too long. But yeah, that's the only thing that I was more invested.
0: I if I looked at this like card on paper before I watched it, I would predict that I would have liked the Flair and Triple H yeah. match the most because it's really my sort of style of wrestling but yeah, it kind of went on a bit too long for me so I gave the yeah. edge to the freeway match
1: and that makes, that makes perfect sense I think whoever, like whichever one you pick they're both excellent and you both yes. win mm-hmm. my least favourite match of the night, it definitely wasn't the Fulfill Your Fantasy Battle Royal I like that and I just don't care um, the, the, like you said the coach one it was like a non-match, like a deliberately non-match. It was like an anti-match. It was fun, like it was weird and it was funny, so it didn't bother me at all. I was going to say Big Show and Kane against Trevor Murdoch and Lance Cade, but I completely forgot about the Eugene and Jimmy Snooker one until mentioned it. To me. So it has to be that the fact that we just talked about it and I couldn't remember. It. So for me, it was the it was the Eugene and uh, Rob Conway and uh, Tyson Tomko one for me.
0: You said this show was a mixed bag and. I think that's going to reflect my star rating.
1: Yeah. I think it has to
0: the opener with masters Ray Matt Hardy. I thought was a pretty good match. Started well The the, you know, the show is bookended, right? The two matches Mm -hmm. at the end were great. Everything else on the show in the middle was pretty awful. I'm going to have to give this show. I'm sorry to do this, but 2.5 right in the middle.
1: I think that's fair. I'm going to give it a three because I actually enjoyed the Fulfill Your Fantasy thing probably more than you did. I really, really liked both of the end matches. And yeah, and the opening match was pretty good. The The worst takeaway for me was not even the match with Eugene. It was the fact that on the ramp, that keyboard, it, just, it, was, just <laughs> it was not reflective of a real keyboard. It was gobbledygook and two of the keys were <laughs> WW because I had WWE and I just couldn't stop staring at that. But overall, overall, like it's called taboo Tuesday. And I was like, Oh, for God's sake, you know, it sounds like it's going to suck, but it started pretty well, real direct in the middle, but then it just ended really well as well. So I came out really happy. Okay. Went in pretty happy, came out really happy. And I think three is fair for, for how I felt. Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: you know, I, I always do research, of course, before we record our podcast, And I looked on the podcast app to see if anyone else had reviewed this show and I couldn't find anyone. I was hoping maybe Bruce Pritchard or someone had spoken about it before to get some insight and no one had even covered it. So we are the first to cover this in the podcast world. I mean, I'm sure someone else has, but you know, on a large scale, we are the first to review this. So that's the type of thing that we like to do on the show. We like to give you different insights and review different shows that you haven't heard a hundred times before or have been done to death. That is a question I would like to ask, ask the audience. Would you like us to cover more mainstream shows, the big ones, your WrestleManias, your Royal Rumbles, etc., Or would you prefer us to cover more niche shows or more obscure shows? Like, do you want to see us cover the first ever Ring of Honor show? Do you want to see us cover Smoky Mountain Wrestling, or do you want us to cover um, a WCW Worldwide episode, for example, or a Sunday Night Heat episode, or whatever it might be? Or are you happy in the middle, where kind of like now we're kind of, you know, we, we don't, we've done some big shows, we've done some less big shows. Yeah. Let us know what you want us to do because you know. Let us of- know
1: if you, let us know if you want us to go further afield to Japan or the UK.
0: Yes, I did actually, oh, I forgot to say this. I did actually ask the audience what shows they would like us to cover. And the response was massive. Um And what I learned was, maybe I'll go over these, what people said next week. So we get some shout outs for people. But what I learned was, is people, our, our, our audience seems to want newer shows. Well, at least newer than, The 90s. The majority of answers were kind of from like 99 upwards. So, and that's obviously why last week we did 2011. This week we did 2005. So, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, you know, audience, you tell us what you want, but it seemed like there was a lot of early 2000s and mid 2000s. So, we've done that the last two weeks. So, yeah, I'm going to have to decide what we do next week. I don't sometimes. Like to keep it close, or sometimes we have a big jump. So we'll work out what we're going to do next week.
1: Hey, Martin, I think that's everything. So
0: I've got to go now and be busy being a huge Instagram star. So,
1: oh, yes. Oh, that is nice. (laughs) I've got to go and be busy editing. (laughs) so we have we have our responsibilities we have our responsibilities
0: and we we do it for you the people to show us
1: the appreciation we deserve careful you kind of sound like coach (laughs) he was the people of he was the voice of the people wasn't he i think he was i think he was all right guys have a good week till next week